everybody, and welcome to episode 534 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparis, coming to you from the Connor Ritter Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you wanted to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join us at the $20 level. Who's joining me now? From the ashes, Chris Antista. Oh, and, nice. And nice. I guess the podcaster formerly known as Matthew Allen. And special guest joining us for the first time, it's formerly known as a podcaster, uh, Chris Kohler. <laughs> Chris Kohler, I'm Chris Kohler of Digital Ex- Eclipse. This, oh, no, you almost said Digital Extreme. I did, I did. I, I do, it's, it's a GameSpot GameStop thing. I do it all the it time. It really is. We get it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, did you guys use the Halo Macintosh port? No, it's Digital Extremes <laughs> or Digital Eclipse. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, of course, Michael, you know, we, we've known each other for a really long time coming out of the games, you know, media from, from back in the, the mid 2000s, as it were. Yeah. Um, and I, I spent a long time in, in games media and, uh, but I've, I've been for the last three years now, uh, editorial director at the video game developer Digital Eclipse. And, uh, we have done all kinds of, we've done all, all kinds of stuff since I joined because we just crank these things out at a, at a rapid pace. Um, is, but we are the is, developer. Behind, Digital uh, Eclipse is my favorite thing happening in games right now. It really is. Gosh, thank you so much. I'm I'm really excited. I just feel like I I joined at this this wonderful time uh, when all you know that our 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 they had built up this this great reputation and we just started getting these amazing projects to work on. So we did Blizzard Arcade Collection, um, mm-hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowbunga Collection, uh, even Disney Classic Games Collection, which I'm which I'm pretty proud Hell of yeah. as well. Um, help, and help uh, Atari 50, the anniversary <laughs> celebration, and now we've just announced <laughs> our first interactive uh, documentary release since Atari 50 called uh, Making of Karataka, all about Jordan Mechner's directorial debut game, Karataka. I'm I'm so excited for this, and I'm just going to break in here really quick before we get too deep into this to say that this is going to be a normal show. We will have a top five. We will talk about news and new releases, including Remnant 2 and Pikmin 4. But Karateka, in addition to being one of my favorite games of all time, was the first game made by Jordan Mechner, creator of Prince of Persia. It broke all kinds of boundaries in terms of cinematic storytelling, in terms of establishing what a martial arts fighting game should be. And we have a rare opportunity to pick the brain of the person responsible for helping remaster it as an interactive museum. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on this, and then we'll resume our normal structure. And Chris, I cannot tell you how valid, how weirdly validating it is to see this game given this treatment because this like i was an apple II kid like i didn't get an oh, nes okay. till like i was 10 years old nerd but but yeah i grew up with an apple II, and karateka was one of the games that i played the most and the audience has heard this before one of my favorite moments of my career was actually getting to interview jordan mechner about his 2012 karateka and yes. getting to tell him how when i was eight years old I struggled for months to beat that game, and I finally got to the end, and then the princess kicked me in the balls, and I died. (laughs) And I ran around the house crying, and my parents laughed at me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, um, yes, uh, you know, infamously, at the end of uh, Karataka, if you uh, get all the way past, you know, you fight Akuma, the final boss, and you get uh, into the chamber where the princess is kept, and it's very difficult to do it. You know, whether I, I think whether you're an eight-year-old or an adult, you know, playing this game, it was pretty pretty difficult to get all the way through. You get all the way through, and you get up to Princess Mariko, and if you 
Do not approach her respectfully. If mm-hmm. you approach her in combat stance, it's and, and it's and it's all part of this wonderful story that Jordan, you know, weaved throughout this game. Um, you know, if you approach her in combat stance, she does not she doesn't know you from Adam. You know what I mean? Ooh. So some guy is coming up to her while she's in the dungeon in combat stance, ready to punch or kick her, and uh she uh, attacks you and you die. And yeah. you have to learn that you have to approach now. Did you go back? Yes, and, of course. And you of course. Because and, you, and, and, you, and, and I figured it out on my own that it's just like I bet because it's it's the romance movie ending that you have to run into her arms. And and yeah. I I realize like it might have also been trying to say something about trust because every other time in this game you're running, but if you run and an enemy hits you while you're in mid run, it's an instant kill. So it's it's like you have to put aside your defenses and trust her and run to yeah. her, and only then can you find true love. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it wonderful how um, Jordan was able to use just such a uh, the the absolute just limited capacity of the Apple II um, to uh, you know tell not only tell this sort of complete story but to make it so thematically full circle. I mean, it was it was so well planned out. Like that's why we're like you know that's why we're so excited to get to do what we're doing because Karataka is absolutely a game that, that deserves a stream. Now, that's, it, 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 that's what I, I wanted to... Well, oh, sorry, Michael. I, I was just going to say, in one of the trailers, like you have people pronouncing it multiple ways. Is Karataka yes. the preferred way? No. So, I, so basically, there is no one preferred way. So <laughs> Jordan, as a teenager in the 1980s with no, you know, no internet or no real way to research this, he looked at the word and he, he pr- started pronouncing it uh, Karateka. Mm. Um, in Japanese, it would be karateka. So I mean, karateka. but the yes, one the who does karate. Jap- yes, a practitioner of the martial art of the of karate, the, the empty hand, right? Mm. But the problem is, a lot of those those sounds don't quite exist in English. So every <laughs> everybody pronouncing it. So I mean, when, growing up, I mean, I always said because you know, and and karateka came out of this, right? This uh, fascination with karate in America in the early 1980s. Um, Karateka came out at the end of 1984. The Karate Kid movie came out at the same time. I mean, I always grew up calling it, you know, karate, you know, because that was, you know, and and, and, and it's it's not T, it's T, and it's not Ra, it's not. So, I mean, but then, so some people say Karateka, some people said karateka. I said mm-hmm. I just said karate and added the ka for like karateka. Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody right. sort of pronounces it in a different kind of weird way. And we do we we tackle that essentially in the product because there's a <laughs> short video um, with a supercut similar to the trailer but longer uh, of people of all the interviewees pronouncing it in a different way and then getting into Jordan kind of breaking down like, well, this is you know. This is th- these are all the different pronunciations, right. and, and it kind of ends with like just just pronounce it how it feels natural to you. <laughs> like don't obsess over it; it's fine. It, it, it would it'd be so much easier to nowadays if it was made because of the obsession with MMA. It would just be America. That's that's also, you know that would be the equivalent. <laughs> yes, no, nope, erotica. And 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 so, like <laughs> I, I'm I'm such a fan of uh, digital uh, eclipse that like I like obviously I was in the TMNT era, but like I didn't have a context for a lot of Atari games and I played them in bundles here and there, but that Atari 50 thing was this amazing package of like bonus content and then just like going right into games. And then I saw what the trailer for this thing, I have no context for 
Karataka. Did I say it right? Sure. Uh, I, I never, I've never played it, and uh, I, I guess I was too young. But like, uh, how did you get? Who? How to? What, like, I, I have stuff from my projects from three years ago that are thrown away and gone. How did you get oh, any gosh. of this? Oh gosh! Oh yeah. So I mean, basically, okay. So you know, you mentioned Atari Fifty, and Atari Fifty was our first. Um, it was the first game that we released that used this sort of interactive documentary concept. Yeah. And the, the idea mm-hmm. behind that is okay. If you're releasing, you know, with like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we're extremely lucky because that is a franchise that is still incredibly popular today. Kids, adults, like you say, we're going to re-release these old Konami games, which are which are they they've aged very well. They're still very fun to play, you know, even in the modern era. It's it's this it's this perfect storm, right? We can release that in a standard sort of retro collection format where you've got your games, you've yeah. got your, you know, we put together the galleries and all the, the sort of bonus content. We went nuts on it, obviously, but like, you know, it's still a very standard sort of collection. Um, with Atari 50, it's a little bit different because um, I think you have a lot of people out there right now who didn't grow up with Atari um, and who, to whom, if you tell them like, oh, it's a collection of Atari games, well, you've got this narrow audience that's going to be interested in it. And that's it. It's not going to go any further than that. And so the interactive documentary concept is rather than just like have a big list full of video games you could play and then have whatever bonus content we could dig up. It's like, let's do this in this narrative format where you don't start out by being at, because I think it's sort of like, um, it's not really nice to the player to start out by saying, okay, you bought this. Great. Here's a big list of games. You got Asteroids, Astro Blast, <laughs> Astro Smash, Astro Grover, whatever. You know, pick just pick one and start playing it. We don't do that. We start you out at the beginning of the founding of Atari, and we start talking about mm-hmm. the founding of the company. So cool. We have that amazing, you know, uh, 1973 era video clip interview with Nolan Bushnell. It's in like black and white. You know, yes. kind of kind of leading into you know Pong, and then it's like, okay, here's Pong, like. I'm not charging you 50 bucks to play Pong. It's like, but Pong is here. And if you want to get in, you know what I mean? Get in, mess around with it a little bit, understand it, get hands on with it. Like you were kind of in a museum exhibit and then go back into the timelines. And the timelines not only let us essentially like craft this fun narrative all the way through, um, but it also just gives the player some direction and some context and it just makes it more meaningful. So hopefully you, as a person who didn't grow up as an Atari person, you will be like, oh, like this is, I I appreciate these games more now because it was, it was done in this format. That's why I always compare it to DVD because like my DVD budget for some reason, 20 years ago was insane. I've always wanted to see this Charlie Chaplin movie. pop on a documentary and like I have context for why this is important who this it gets me incredibly interested already and then I can and if I could just click and dive into any scene out of Disney Disney Blu-ray did this for like a year they did these crazy interactive features that were insane and they abandoned them I thought it was the Mm -hmm. coolest thing ever I pushed to do it on core the PlayStation show on PS3 like we have to do something like it's so neat to be able to like have somebody play a scene of a game that's being talked about, maybe while someone's talking about it, and it just comes together so so cool in a package here. But you get to focus on just one game in this case, uh, or yeah, four, four versions so, of that game. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, so the idea is, well, could we take, so Atari 50 had 100 games, and it's like, okay, well, can we take the same uh, interactive documentary concept and can we apply it to one game? And now... First of all, Karataka being so influential, you know, was so, was so big at the time, and, it, and it, it, it inspired, like, a generation of game designers, you know, to start making games that were more like little movies. Because prior to 
Karataka, you know, you, you really hadn't seen that sort of thing happening in video games. No, it, it doesn't um, even look like it's from 1984. I'm pretty baffled by it. Like, yeah. I, I, I know I'd heard of it, but like you know, that documentary Sparks that came out a year or two ago from Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. like that's a band I've never heard of until Edgar Wright made a documentary about it. And that's sort of how right. this feels like. Where was this? I wouldn't anybody, how come I never touched this? You know what? It was it was there. It was always there. People around the world played Karataka on the Apple II, on the Commodore sixty four, the Atari, you know, computers, whatever you had. Yeah. Like I remember playing it as a kid. I did not actually put in the effort to like get good at it, but mm-hmm. like I remember being very struck by the use of cinematic scenes and stuff like that. It was it was it was very unlike. It's astonishing. Else. It, but the <laughs> thing is, there's only and, and one of the other reasons that we love telling a story is because like. Only certain stories of video game history tend to get told, yeah. you know. And what Ooh. tends to happen in America is you hear the story of Atari, you hear about Atari, and then you hear about people, you know, having meetings in hot tubs, and then the industry crashes, and then from 1982 to 1984, nothing happens, mm-hmm. and then Nintendo comes in on a white horse and saves video <laughs> games, you know, by by bringing back video games, yeah. and like that's like true-ish for the American console games industry. And it's not true for the rest of the world, and it's certainly not true for personal computers. Because yeah. because gaming on personal computers was still alive and thriving and doing very well, you know, in that span of time in the eighties. And Karataka was one of the huge games. Yeah. But we don't talk about it that much. And the other thing is, I mean, again, when you see a lot of game collections that get released, you know, it's all console games yep. because that's the easiest thing to do. It's like you emulate a console game, you map the buttons to a D-pad. You know, we're looking at computer games and we're saying this is a rich mine of content here that we are not really tapping and so we're bringing apple 2 and atari and commodore now you know to modern consoles to your switch xbox playstation and that brings with it its own challenges of how do you map those buttons how do you make sure that that Mm. actually works Mm. but you know we just we see this as like you know this this frontier essentially of this great content that that really is being forgotten yeah because i i I even like Yes, I've used emulators, and uh, even trying to get like a Commodore emulator up and moving, like uh, up to like eight years ago, was so hard. I could never even understand how to use Commodores when they were current. You gotta type <laughs> "load" and then open uh, quotes, and then and star eight, dot comma star. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's like you know the thing is, it's like if you're a Commodore head, you don't even think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't. It's like this whole hurdle that you have to get through, even if you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to get the emulator. I'm going to play the game. It's like, there's a lot of hurdles to get through before you yeah. can do that. So again, just making yeah. it so one one button, one button press and you're boom, you're in, you know, and you're playing. And there's, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, you know, to make sure yeah. that you can do that. And so there's so many reasons. But then I, circling back around to, I think your original point was, we are extremely lucky that Jordan Mechner was a... Absolutely, he was like a, he was he was documenting things as he went along. So because nice. he kept a daily journal starting from freshman year in college, which is when he started this game, writing down everything he did all those days. He published that journal and his Prince of Persia journals as well, so you can buy them and read them. But then he you know he saved all his floppy disks, which a lot of people do. But there was actually a big effort about ten years ago. It was around the time of that Karataka re-release. Um, and we, we published an article about it on Wired, actually. Um, and uh, it was like, you know, Jason Scott from the Internet Archive and some other like big Apple II nerds like went to Jordan Mechner's house and they dumped all of his floppy disks using like high end equipment to salvage wow. oh, all wow. the data that they could. So we have all these floppy disks from Jordan that had like um, 
early uh, art that he was doing or cut content or just all kinds of stuff. Um, and then, you know, Jordan did all of his design documentation on paper, saved every single piece of paper, saved every piece of correspondence with Broderbund, every letter, every scrap of anything that was written down wow. uh, and donated it all to the Strong Museum in Rochester, New York. And they were great partners on this, and they they scanned everything for us. Anything we needed, they would go look for it and get it to us. And so for Karatika, um, and also for Jordan's unpublished uh, shooter, Death Bounce, which is what sort of led into Karatika, <laughs> um, we have as deep an archive as you could ever possibly want for the creation of one game. So if there's one game we were going to do this, you know, it would be this, because... We, we can actually do it. We can actually fill, um, you know, five different timelines full of interesting content, taking you through the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and, and of course, you know, the, 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 the work of journalism essentially that goes on yeah. is like, well, we've got these floppy disks and we have these journals and we have, um, these paper design documents. So let's solve this puzzle of what goes with what. Like, when was this design document made? How does it correspond to what's on the floppies? How does that correspond to what's in the diaries? And so many, many of the entries that you'll see as you go along will incorporate Jordan's quotes, you know, some of the sprites from the floppy disks, some of the design documents, and you can really see like how the project took place. And the great thing is, you know, like all this is Jordan's journals from when he was like 17, 18, 19 years old. And he's pouring out all of his teenage angst, you know, into these, these pages and so you have this very emotional, um, you know, side to it as well. This 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 human angle. So I, I, I love just... I, I love the trailer and that moment where like, because Michael was just catching me up on the game. The moment where you, mm. like you actually have reference footage for this, like so, that was saved yeah. somehow. Oh my god! So it was saved. Well, he saved everything. And the, you know, the sad thing is, so there were two motion capture actors mainly for this game. Basically, one of them was Jordan's mom's karate teacher, um, <laughs> and. That footage is the only thing Jordan doesn't have. And they, they think it's because somebody that they knew in like the TV business offered to like digitize it for them. And then they never got it back. Um, but the second reel that he shot on Super 8 film was his dad, Francis Mechner. And his dad put on his wife's karate outfit and he ran around in the woods behind their house in upstate <laughs> New York. And Jordan filmed him on Super 8. And basically what Jordan did was this is how he this is how he did rotoscoping in a video game for the first time. It was a ridiculous procedure. Did the filming, put the film into a film editing device called a moviola that let him essentially pause on a, a frame of film and, and project it. Put tracing paper up, up wow. on the projection, projected <laughs> wow. on the tracing paper, traced each frame laboriously, like tracing each frame that he wanted in the game, took like a year or more, you know, to like do all of it. But basically, when he did, once he did a proof of concept, he did that. There was a, there was a device uh, for the Atari and the Apple called a Versa Writer, and the Versa Writer it's like a tablet, like a you know piece of plastic basically, and you take whatever you want to digitize and put the paper on the tablet, and then it has a stylus with a mechanical arm, and you just move the stylus in an outline around what it is, and the, the mechanical arm will start moving, and it translates that data huh. back into the Apple II. And it looks bad, but it looks just good enough <laughs> that if you take all the these bad little sprites that it generates and just run them like an animation, it works. And essentially, it just solved... And then Jordan went back and just hand-drew over all of it, but it solved the problem of... 
like how do I do realistic human animation? Because it, what it gets up in there is is like good enough. I know there are, there are four versions of Karateka included. What what versions did you go with? So what's known as sort of the holy trinity of Karateka versions are Jordan's original Apple II, like that's the version mm-hmm. that he did himself. Mm-hmm. The Commodore sixty four version, which was probably the most popular version worldwide, just because of the install base of the Commodore sixty four around the globe, and then the Atari eight hundred version, which some people consider it like the best playing version because the Atari 800 was so much faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so they could, the game could be more fluid. But really, it's up to you which version you prefer. The, those three versions are in there because those are the ones that Jordan personally supervised. Uh, Veda mm-hmm. Cook, who was the conversion programmer for the Commodore 64 and Atari versions, she worked at Broderbund. And so, you know, worked very closely with Jordan. And then, um, you know, Francis Mackner, again, Jordan's amazing dad, who is an incredible guy, by the way. He, he's a he's a, a Holocaust survivor who was wow. shot at by the Nazis mm. when he was a kid, barely made it out of Europe alive, uh, became a respected behavioral psychologist and serial entrepreneur, started all kinds of companies. He did the motion capture when his son needed him to. And he was also a classical pianist. And he was like, oh, let's, Jordan was like, I need a soundtrack for this game. And Francis was like, yes, we'll use Wagnerian leitmotif, which is like not exactly something that you found in a lot of video games in 1984. But it really, he did an incredible job with the soundtrack. And so the Commodore 64 had the, oh, say, the Apple II did not have, I was about to say the Apple II didn't have good sound hardware. The Apple II did not have sound hardware. The (laughs) Apple II had, the Apple II could, could make a beat. And yep. so basically, like, and, and if the Apple II was beeping, it couldn't do anything else. So you probably <laughs> didn't notice this because it was done so masterfully. But if you go back and look at the Apple II version, when music is playing, nothing else is happening because yep. it cannot run animation and play music. That's the stop. I, I just and always so, thought that it was a dramatic pause in the action. <laughs> but they did, they did such a great job at essentially hiding it and making that work that that's exactly how you perceived it. Um, and so with the Commodore 64 had incredible, really, really amazing sound hardware for the time. Uh, they were able to go back um, and do this beautiful multi-toned, you know, rich soundtrack uh, for Commodore 64, which is considered to be like the best of the three. Um, so those three versions, again, Jordan's original, the two that he supervised. And the other version uh, is called Karateka Remastered, and Ooh. it's done by Digital Eclipse's president, Mike Micah. Uh, so Mike is a huge Karateka fan from back in the day. And of course, he, you know, was a, has been a game developer for a very long time. You know, very talented, uh, you know, um, at, at like being able to sort of make a game by himself. Um, and so he uh, had always wanted to do a port of Karateka. Um, and so this he's like, I'm taking the chance. I'm, I'm doing it. And so basically it's um, it's like Karateka as if it were running on like a, a more powerful VGA PC from the mid 90s, basically like preserving the sprites, preserving the, the core of what makes the game fun and then doing certain upgrades to it. Not going too crazy, but, you'll, you know, you'll see when you play it. Uh, and then the other cool thing that he did was, he, you know, of course, this is all about, like, the documentary, right? And so, you know, what Mike ends up doing is going in and adding commentary, like Porter's commentary, basically, with commentary nodes throughout all of Karateka Remastered, where he talks about what he was doing did he succeed? Did he fail? What was happening in Jordan's original? You know, so it's really a commentary about his remaster, but then also his like expert level look at what Jordan did, you know, technologically with the original game. And so like basically like 
we give you the freedom to just go do whatever you want. You don't have to just sit there and go through all of the timelines. We know from Atari 50 that there are certain players who absolutely will do that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I'm 25% of the way through the timelines. You know, it's like, great, awesome. But if you just want to go play, you know, go play. But we're going to hit you as at every opportunity with, you know, the proper sort of historical context in any way that we can. I just want to say you have no idea how relieved I am to hear that the NES version is not in there. <laughs> it is not in there. No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> it's And look, great. I mean... I, I, you know, I might have put it in there. I mean, you know, but like it's, uh, it was, it was published by this obscure, um, Japanese software publisher. And I, I don't think we have any idea, like, what even happened to them at this point. Oh, um, man. like where the rights would even be on that. But it's funny because that NES version or the Famicom version, uh, that's what people in Japan remember. And mm. so it's very, like, a lot of the reactions, some of the reactions I'm seeing on Japanese Twitter are like, Wait, Karataka, isn't that that legendary, horrible game? Because that's how it's remembered as like <laughs> a, a Soge. And it's like, actually, no, the, the the real game is actually really good. It's that like ridiculous version you guys got in Japan that you think is the, the real one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah everyone- I would have... For a histor- from a historical perspective, if we could have, I, I totally would have. But yeah, yeah I mean, the, it, yeah, it's interesting with that qualification, like as a curiosity, like, hey, here's this version that is the definitive version for a lot of people who never played the real versions. Yeah, yeah, and, yep. It'd, it'd be like leading a Pac-Man collection with the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version. You d- you just don't you don't mm. put that foot forward. But yeah, mm. as, as a curiosity, it's it's great to yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. One of the important things that. You know, I, I try to get across with Atari 50 is that, you know, as we're kind of starting Atari 50, it was like, okay, well, what games are we going to include? And there were some things where it's like, well, that game's, that game's bad, isn't it? Isn't that game bad? It's like, yeah, but we're not, that's no longer the selection criteria. The selection <laughs> criteria is like, what is historically important? Yeah, right. You know, like yeah, yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody really, if you just, if you're doing an Atari collection and you put 3D tic tac toe on there with no context whatsoever and it's just in the list, like <laughs> everybody's gonna be like, why is this game, you know, in there and, you know, struggle to sort of control it? And, but it was the first game by Carol Shaw. Who was the first full-time, you know, so uh, cool. female video game designer? The first oh, wow. woman, you know, at Atari, like working as a, you know, full-time job doing a game designer was her first, you know, published game. And you put that in there with that historical context, and then there's there's a reason for that to be there. And then people go in, and there's there's more of an appreciation for it. So there's there's stuff in here that if it was just sort of plunked into a collection, you'd be like, why am I playing this? But it's you're you're playing. Um, there's unfinished uh, prototypes of Karataka. There's four different prototypes of Jordan's uh, shooter Death Bounce. Oh, wow. And then there's even uh, Asteroid Blaster, which was pretty much a straight clone of Asteroids that Jordan made when he was 16. That was going to be his first game. And in fact, it got signed. Um, but Atari started going around to publishers saying, yeah, you can't just publish like straight clones of our games. You know, we're going to like, we're going to actually sue you. Um <laughs> And so if Jordan had been like a year earlier with that, that might have been published. And he probably would have made a lot of money doing it because like people were making a lot of money just like, oh, like here's a fake Pac-Man game for the computer. Here's a fake Asteroids and things like that because because Atari wasn't, you know, producing that kind of stuff. Atari didn't make Apple games, you know? So anybody who could come up with like, you know, Apple Invader was a huge seller. And that's really, that's how Broderbund kind of started as well. If you look at the early Broderbund games, it's like, oh, it's Apple, it's like Space Invaders, but on the Apple, it's Pac-Man, but on the Apple, like, changed slightly. Um, but by the time that Jordan was doing, like, you know, Broderbund rejected Death Bounce, too. And now Jordan had sort of experienced, like, you know, multiple stages of rejection because he was chasing 
He actually, we were, so I, we, I was in his dad's apartment in New York City, and we were talking about, um, he found a Rubik's Cube book or something like that on the shelf, and he was like, oh yeah, you know, I tried to do this too. He's like, I tried to write a how to solve a Rubik's Cube book, because I saw that there were all these books out there, and I was like, well, I can do that. So he's, again, he's like 14, whatever. And he's just like, and they, the publishers all were just like, this is good, but like, you're six months too late, basically. Like, you know, he was he was just like, he was trying to break in and, and just like chasing what, what whatever was popular. And finally, after kind of getting Death Browns rejected by Broderbund, he was like, I've, then that that's what led him to say, I need to look forward. I need to do something that's like totally new. And so with Karataka, you know, it basically just ended up, it ended up advancing the form of, of video games in so many ways, from soundtrack to, to lifelike human animation, the cinematic scenes, you know, the, the narrative, the story. I mean, it really was like this. It was an eye-opening game for, for so many people at that time. Oh, love hearing it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love Fantastic. It. I'm, I'm super looking forward to this. You don't have a release date yet, do you? Don't have a release date yet. It's soon. It's like we are, we're going through console submissions and stuff like that. So it's like... It's like all the stars have to align. We have to like mm. get through all of those submissions. And then once we yep. know for like definitely that we'll be able to release on all those platforms on this date, then we can say the release date. If people want to learn more or keep tabs on the game, where can they go? DigitalEclipse.com or, you know, follow us on uh, follow us on X, the Elon Musk uh, everything <laughs> app uh, where you're going to do. Uh, so once you're once you log on to X and do all of your banking Mm-hmm. Um, right. And once you mm-hmm. send all your money to all your friends and they send their money to you um, or however it works, yeah, buy all uh, your there's crypto. also, yeah, X.com also has um, a, a, a social media site. Uh, so True. if you follow uh, at Digital Eclipse uh, on X.com, um, you will, uh, you'll, you'll be able to, we're, we're posting a lot of updates, uh, updates there. Yeah. Unverified and, and, and I made the joke to Michael and Matt when I, when I did, when I had an, when I got my first interview for the games industry, I went in and I said, "I think we should do everything and make a ton of money off it." And I never got promoted. Elon Musk, just, <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> yeah, just. Uh, I think that attitude got him fired from PayPal. Like, yeah. no, no, <laughs> financial superstore. Yeah. Literally, yeah. this stunt. He tried to change the name of PayPal to X, mm-hmm. and then the board kicked him out. Like, and make it into a sounds like a porn site. Yeah, and not only that, I deleted the app this week, and I just like automatically like, well, I'll tap the logo to close. Nope. Oh, okay. That's that. <laughs> that just takes me. Off. Okay, right, right, right. that's what I thought. That's where yeah. my brain where my brain went. It's it's also a masterclass, much like his Twitter experiment in like. How not to do a brand relaunch? Because right. it's like, yeah, it's it's called X in some places, but the button, you know, if you go on the web interface, it still says tweet. It button doesn't still say says tweet. you know. Yep. Terms yeah. of service also say Twitter. Yeah, well, every you know. everything is still Look, like Twitter. Well, and when it's like, when you throw your whole brand away on a whim, you you yeah, have to do right. it piece by piece. You can't just do it overnight. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, I w- wish we could do a whole podcast about that. Oh my goodness. But that's that's the only thing about Atari. I love that you included <laughs> the the the. Maybe not the more classic games. I won't say bad. But like every time I'm watching a movie documentary and they, they show the movie and, and this is the movie that killed the studio and they show like a clip of it and like that's the one I immediately Google and like I want to know everything about. I want to watch this. Yes, yeah, right, I, yeah. right, right. Show me the bad, the, like, yeah, show me the bad like uh, Lawrence Olivier karate movie. That's the one I want to see. And like just it's all over Atari 50. If you actually want to see like the things that 
may not have been classics, but paved the way for other great things to come. You can experience yeah. them in, in any uh, any length you want to, and mm-hmm. go, go right back in. So cool, man! Can't say how much I like it. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, this leads us to the top five, which we traditionally start every show off with. And this time, it's a very simple I'm sorry, this is the start of the show? Yes, now we're we're just starting. Now, that that was an epic intro. We just... (laughs) (laughs) Best guest intro ever. So, top five, I wanted to do something that would tie into Karateka. And I'm I'm just going to set it up, and then I'll explain the premise. So, let's jump in with... Number five. So, if you haven't played Karateka, that just sounds like a bunch of electronic shrieks. If you have, it probably stirs fear in your heart. Because that is the sound of one of the biggest asshole birds in all the video games. And and birds, in general, whenever they're in a video game, they tend to be some of the most frustrating enemies. They're hard to hit. They tend to dart in, do massive damage, and jump back out again. If you're on a ledge, they will almost, they exist to knock you off. Uh, this bird just would show up off of the right side of the screen. It would fly in and you'd have like a, a second to judge its angle and figure out what attack that would line up with it and time it perfectly. And if you, you missed, it would, it would just like do three or four hits and fly away. And it would repeat that until you reached your next opponent. <laughs> That's that's the problem with birds in 2D games. They kind of yeah. have the physics of everything in Ghosts and Goblins, just like <laughs> diving yes. through the screen at any mm-hmm. angle. Kind they're, of they're very much skill checks. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is top five bird bastards. Let's bird call it bastards. <laughs> bird bastards. Okay. And and yes, the like the uh, the bird from Karateka, as reinforced by a Twitter account, the bird from Karateka. <laughs> sorry, an X account, X dot com account. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a jerk. It's hard to get past. It takes a lot of practice. And it is also like the second to last boss in the game after you kick down the final door. What's the first thing that happens? It flies out of it and attacks you. And so now you have like less than a second (laughs) and you're flailing around in the dark trying to hit this thing. Maybe you luck out and you get to hit, you know, fight the final boss. But wow, there there really is a bird from Karateka Twitter account just devoted this. Is it called the Invincible Hawk? Is that is that what it's called? The the funny thing is that um, we we so of course we had uh, access to all of this material and it's like okay, what is this bird? Because it doesn't say in the instruction book like what kind of bird it is. And as it turns out, Jordan uh, alternately refers to it as like a hawk or an eagle or a vulture at some point. Yeah, it like does in, look kind of like a buzzard. The, so in the file names and the notes and everything like that, there's just so many different um, uh, uh, words uh, for it, or different species that we went back through and just called it the bird. Mm. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, Oddly enough, like in video games, that's the one one of the only times that raptor, you know, raptor classification of birds, they kind of live up to their dinosaur origins in that, like, mm. they are difficult to be. But in real life, you see a bird usually. You keep your distance. It's going to keep its distance. No one's going to fuck with anyone. We're going to go about our day. But in video games <laughs> and in games like Karateka, they're like, no, no. I, I am a descendant of the raptor, and I'm going to tear your fucking face off. <laughs> like, this is my job in this game. Funny story. When I was playing this as a kid, like, I, I remember asking my dad, like, do you know what kind of bird that's supposed to be? And 
I think he had just seen, like, you know, the opening crawl where it talks about the evil warlord Akuma or Akuma. Mm-hmm. And so he he just said, like, oh, I think it's a it's a Kuma. Uh, like, the, the oh. bird is, it's called, like, the, <laughs> the Kuma. The and, Kuma. And so for, for years, I thought there was, like, a Japanese bird of prey called the Kuma. And that, wow. that's that what that was. And only recently oh. have I realized, like, no, that's stupid. Why did Category, I do that? Uh... Calvin and Hobbes' dad experience. Yes. Um, it's so easy to mess with so, kids before the internet. Mm-hmm. Jesus. So if I can get in just one more plug for the making of products, we have we have Please. not only save and load, we have not only rewind, which basically makes <gasps> it like Prince of oh, Persia Sands that. of Time. You can just just hit, hit by the bird, whatever, rewind. We have watch <laughs> mode, uh, and that's something that we've had in, in previous uh, previous works. But oh, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a, an emulated playthrough uh, of the game that you can uh, watch back. But it also, new for making of Karataka is chapter select. So Ooh. you can literally just start the watch mode playthrough, jump to the bird fight. You can jump to the first bird encounter or like the big fight at the end uh, and just jump right there and then either watch somebody play it or, you know, in this case, just practice it until you get it right. Important question, Kohler. So who do I blame on that playthrough? Is it you playing? Is it Micah? Is it Amrick? Is it Cefaldi? Did, who'd you bring back to do those playthroughs oh, so playthroughs? that I can blame them when I take over and die? So it's, you, it's in, it, they're all me. They're all me. <laughs> um, wow. They're, they're not, so the first thing I did was I sat down and I was like, oh, I should not take a hit. Because like for for um, Ninja Turtles, uh, was our, one of our designers did it and he actually did the playthroughs taking zero damage. Um, just constantly, just, well, just constantly like rewinding, you know, and, and oh, okay, okay, um, okay. you know, and then um, did it with zero it's damage. <laughs> it's it's the arcade games are extremely hard to do with yeah. zero damage because yeah. if you don't take damage in the arcade games, they will damage you with like <laughs> unblockable stuff to, to start damaging you to get your money. Quarters. They so got to make some money, baby. Like he would find ways around that, basically. But the idea what? was, wow. whenever you jumped in, you would have a full life bar. So at first I thought of doing that with with Karataka and I did it, but it's like when you watch it back, it's like, you know, watching a tool assisted speed run because that's what it is. And it's just not natural. Mm, You know, it's just really weird. And also to do it, to take no damage, you've got to do all kinds of weird, boring stuff. Like you've got to like, you know, just just shimmy back and forth and let the enemy, you know, strike and then quickly move in and just do a middle kick because that is the biggest reach. So like you're just watching it and it's just boring and it's just somebody doing middle kicks over and over. So we kind of realized um, this needs to be something more like a, uh, a tool assisted let's play. Like, mm, okay. so you take damage. There, There is a point in some of these games where it's like you take a lot of damage, you know, uh, while you're watching the, the watch mode playthrough. So I do apologize if you want to jump in at certain moments. You know, the thing with Karataka is at the at the start of every fight, it refills your life bar. Mm-hmm. So if you mm. so if you want to if you want to just jump to the beginning of like the final boss fight, you'll have you will always have the max amount of energy uh, that you're going to have for that because it would fill it but if you're jumping in in like the middle of the boss fight or right before the last hit or something like that like you might not have as much energy but that's only because like we want that watch mode to be like natural and feel uh you know even a little exciting sometimes you know you're not gonna I appreciate die, you so, no yeah. I, I appreciate you d- you jumping on that sword so that's like when it, when anyone watches their little brother and goes just give me the control i'll just do it for you like that's you're, you're enabling the player to do that that's exactly we're the hero get, that gets to come really in frustrated, and you can just you can just jump right in and start playing yeah uh the other cool <laughs> thing about uh the watch mode just for the apple 2 version is i said i was out in in new york city visiting jordan and his dad and um we had 
done the Apple II watch mode playthrough at that point, and it was all finalized. So I sat them down and had them watch it, and I just took out my iPhone, and I had them just talk about what they were seeing How and nerve-wracking. memories oh my that God. Were, was coming oh, wow. back. Um, so watching and so, you play, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. And now, But now we have uh, director's commentary, essentially, on that oh, watch shit. mode. So if you do the Apple II watch mode, you can turn commentary on. You hear Jordan and Francis. Like you're watching a you know Criterion Collection movie with the director's commentary, basically, just just talking about what they see. And, and it brought back, it. you know, they start talking about stuff and it was stuff that what, didn't even come up in the research. You know what I mean? Like it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it was even more great content. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting the top five. No, no, no that's fine. No, yeah, that's perfect. We're, perfect. We want to help you and that Karataka bird, you know, finally, you know, get over your, your problems. <laughs> you, you mentioned, you mentioned reach with that attack. That's one thing I do have to give Karataka credit for is it's, it is almost this strange predecessor to fighting games or you're, you mentioned like your, your energy refills mm-hmm. during boss fights and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's not technically a fighting game, but it's like there's there's things like I'm sure people were counting frames and attacks and hitboxes and stuff like that, like at 100%. high level Karataka play. Absolutely. And you had to. Um, and that was one of the other reasons I think why it was difficult to um, port Karataka because that the, the hit detection that he did on the Apple II was so good. Like it mm-hmm. was, you know what I mean? Like to, to, you know, you, you get somebody with like the pixel of your foot basically. So it was, uh, it was, it was tough to, to replicate. That's that, what, like, again, I, tightly designed game. I haven't played the game, but I am contextually, I know it's a year before Mario, mm-hmm. a steam post from 11 years ago. How do I attack the bird in Karateka? <laughs> Uh, you do the attack with the spin thing, then block it. If the bird is stunned and it's near the ground, you punch it. If it stuns higher than your character's head, you kick it. That's kind of incredible to think about in a game from 1984, that there's yeah. that many, uh, that many uh, what would you call it, possibilities in a, in a game. Because again, I can't wait. I'm going to play it for the first time in your game. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. it seems insane. It seems insane for a game to have that many options. I, I also love that the you know when he did that 2012 reboot, the hawk was of course an important part. It's so ominous. You get that drum roll and the horn as you see it circling around in the distance, and it's it's a it's a really well directed scene. And yeah, the the hawk even got referenced in the trailer for that version. The legend begins long ago. A hero was born. A karateka. Okay. I was his okay. sensei. Always punch the hawk. Uh, you shouldn't always punch the hawk. Kicks work sometimes too. <laughs> but that sounds like a euphemism for masturbation. I'm gonna go punch the hawk. Over I think here. you. I think you do want to. I think that you do want to punch the hawk because it just it takes longer for that kick to come out. Mm, that's true. Um, yeah. yeah, but sometimes the, the angle is off for a punch. It's a little too low. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. Well, ultimately, it's like the hawk will hit. I mean, you know, you do have to fight the hawk uh, at the at the end of the game. You do have to actually like you know yes. um, defeat the hawk. But you know, if he hits you. Really, the hawk is just there um, to stop you from just being able to run and run and run. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to, you have to actually be cautious, and you have to make sure that you like don't, you know, you're you're always staying on your toes because when you hear the hawk, it's time to get in a combat stance. Basically, like that was Mm -hmm. that was the gameplay reason why why he was in there. Uh, Oh, that that's another thing, uh, another childhood anecdote. So when I went to my first karate class, uh, you know, they make you like okay, bow to your opponent. 
and I bowed and like I kept my head upright like they do in Karateka, <laughs> which I think is just because, you know, the sprites won't tilt. But yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, that's absolutely what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You're but supposed I, to I kept my head upright and lock. the teacher was like, what the hell are you doing? What? Really? What? Yeah. No, it's you're like, supposed to maintain eye contact so the dude doesn't beat the shit out of you when you're looking down at the yeah, ground. Yeah, if you exactly. Bow to him, you know? Like, why are you bowing like that? You look at the ground when you bow. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Another thing in retrospect is like, that seems strange. No, you should yeah. maintain eye contact with your opponent. It's yeah. respectful, but I don't trust you. Look, I, I, we've all been probably in some sort of scuffle, brawl, mm-hmm. bar fight, whatever you will. Um, nope. No one fucking bowed to me before that shit went uh, down. That's all I'm going to say, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to start fights by throwing sand in their eyes. Yeah. And and I, I seem to think that there are some opponents. So it's, it's like I love the presentation of it where, like, you're running and then it cuts to your opponent running and then you're continuing yes. to run. And then if you if you don't drop down into combat stance, if you just stand there, they will often do the same, and you bow to them, they bow to you, and I think you can keep doing that for a while, just bowing first, repeatedly. Yeah, basically, like, the first guard, you can bow mm-hmm. to them before you begin. And then, yes, you can just sit there bowing and bowing until the <laughs> till the fight starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful But the cross-cutting the cross cutting also, I mean, that was something that, you know, Jordan was, uh, he was a big film guy, um, you know, at, at Yale, basically. So imagine, you know, you're, you like movies, and you're going to Yale University University in the 80s and basically it just that allows you through like the Yale Film Society to just watch movie on movie on movie because 84 like nobody's like yes you could rent movies but it's like you know it's not like anybody has like huge movie libraries in their home at this point so it's like right. he's going to the cinema and just like watching lots and lots and lots of movies and he gets inspired mm-hmm. um by uh you know silent pictures dw griffith it was the director of uh, I what movie it was but it was like there was something where in silent yeah well and it wasn't it wasn't that one it was a different <laughs> one um but uh it, it would, there was another like a silent film that 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 guy had done that used that cross-cutting basically like mm-hmm. to heighten the dramatic tension between mm-hmm. two characters that were you know converging on each other basically um, and so, I mean, again, he he really was, you know, looking at like film as an inspiration for what he was going to put on the screen. And to cut, like, how crazy was that? Like to cut away from the player while the game's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was just mind blowing stuff at the time. It's like that, nobody even does that now. Is you know? that why we call them you're playing scenes? a game and? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's exactly what it is. It's called, it's called open up your phone and load X scenes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, that that's... More birds, Michael. Yeah, more birds, more birds. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Bird, bird from Karateka. Asshole. Slightly bigger asshole. Number four. Matt, you insisted on this one. So. I insisted on this because I like to talk about Cuphead any opportunity I can get. Oh, Wally okay. Warbles mm-hmm. is, it, in particular, just an extreme dick in that game. And in, in a game full of bosses that are all Everybody's dicks, like dick. he, he is one of the more... I mean, so that game is bullet hell. You know, it's a bullet hell game. But, like, the Wally Warbles stuff, I remember as I was playing through it felt in particular like a little mean and unfair and bullet hellish because mostly because the feathers he sends out those feathers and you got to right. dodge and, them and it's like and it's like two different um essentially arrays of feathers that are kind of like overlapping mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it's like yes. they're not just in one it's like 
two like yeah sort of yeah. simultaneous kind of things going on. And I think you gotta use your bombs. You gotta use your bombs on Wally Warbles because when yeah, he's uh, yeah. when he's in the stretcher, you gotta gotta hit him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's the feather attack that's the reason he's called Wally Warbles because this is what it sounds like. <laughs> You can sort of hear him behind the music, uh, just like somebody talking on a, the other end of a telephone in an old-timey yes. movie. That was a, yes, very, very common bird sound effect in old cartoons. I love, mm-hmm. love Cuffman. Yeah, yeah. And Play this is one of the whistle. few uh, airplane games, airplane levels in the yeah. game, which I think, for me, those became a little harder just because there weren't as many. Like, you get so used to the controls and the physics of, you know, Cuphead or Mugman as you're controlling it. And then when they put you on that airplane, it's just like, okay, wh- wait, what am I supposed to do now? I have these invincibility frames when I do what now? I have bombs, like Kohler said. It's uh, It just changes it. I mean, I still enjoy the hell out of it. Those absolutely were definitely, like, the most frustrating parts for me, for sure. Yeah. I played Cuphead because my kid, who was a seven at the time, like, had started watching a lot of Cuphead YouTube videos, and he really wanted, like, me to play Cuphead. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll play Cuphead. But it's funny because, like, you know, you're 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 playing this like immensely frustrating game, and like you die for the fiftieth. It's like it really taught me patience. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, okay, I died through the same bullpucky for the fiftieth time. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just gently put my controller down now <laughs> and walk away. Yeah, yes. got to be careful when those kids are watching, man, for sure. Yeah, that is they're the watching you. Yep. And I, I, I don't know why, but like uh, Chris, if you know, I'm a big old cartoon fan, so Cuphead was like made for me. Old school shooter fan. I don't know why I didn't mm. assume kids would instantly love this because they all do. They do. Uh, if, if you uh, Adam from Paducan, the Paducan guys arcade, they have they retro, they fixed up a dead, dying cabinet and just threw Cuphead in it. And kids to this day, they can have it on their iPad with them. They will gravitate towards that game. Yep, yep. Never will yep. it will never not be appealing. Cuphead rules. And that cartoon show on Netflix, I checked it out too late. Still pretty goddamn good too. Pretty good. Pretty it's good. Very, yeah, yeah, it's very good. So, yeah, Wally Warbles, we haven't dis- described it at all. It's like a giant woodpecker in a birdhouse. <laughs> and it, well, it's supposed to be like a cuckoo clock. He's supposed to oh, look that's approximately right. yeah. a cuckoo clock. And, and that's right. It's a cuckoo clock. So he's he's a flying cuckoo clock. Uh, you hit him enough, he, like, turns into, like, a plucked version of himself and just slides mm-hmm. out the front hole. <laughs> it explodes, yep. and you're left with, like, this little diabolical big-headed woodpecker that's, like, floating around. You, you beat that. Yep. And then it's... The the plucked version is brought up on a stretcher, and he will thump himself on the chest to get his heart to fly out of his mouth and shoot at you, and it sounds gross as hell. Yeah. While being noises. carried by two birds yeah. on that stretcher. Yeah. And, it, and if you beat assistants. him, the birds start salting him. To, yeah. <laughs> I guess they're going to perform cannibalism now. But you, you forgot one of his attacks, though, that kind of maybe he is a distant cousin of um, something named after birds. Not really, but Birdo. Mm. Maybe you count Birdo. He shoots eggs out of his mouth that's because true. that's a thing birds do, apparently, uh-huh, in this true. game. It's like... in, in Japan, they all do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. It's right, right. just a Japanese bird thing. It's a Japanese bird. <laughs> it's like octopi have like the big round mouth in Japan. Right. Birds, Raccoons fly with their yeah. nutsacks birds and spit bird eggs. shoot, yeah. bird shoot <laughs> eggs out of their mouth. Right. <laughs> and if you're little Michael right now, I've just ruined his entire perception of Jack <laughs> ecological Jap- Japan right now. Whoops-a-daisy. Huh? 
I was referencing how your dad could tell you anything you wanted. Oh that yeah, okay, all right. Oh, I, I, right. I'm on board now. <laughs> I, I found, Call back I found, to earlier in the show. It made, yes. I found the I found the actual clip of Zemeckis saying like, uh, "How'd you do the hoverboard scene?" And he was tired of talking about it. He just like, "It's real. They're, they exist." But stupid parents' watchdog group mm-hmm. won't let them on the market. He said that once, and one thing is a joke. That rumor existed. That persisted for 25 years until mm, the internet finally man. put a stop to it. No, we do not have real hoverboards, and Mattel are not being jerks about it. <laughs> no, don't know why not. We should have them by now. It's like say. lawn darts. They got banned because some kid played with it irresponsibly. <laughs> Man, I found a lawn dart in the house I was cleaning. That was no joke. That like how was oh, that yeah. ever legal? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> Play the most dangerous game. Really was. Mm. <laughs> really was. How is this not supposed to kill somebody? <laughs> All right. Well, let's move along to... Number three. Orders are to shoot rebels on... Oh! Ah! <laughs> Pretty good. That's a great this is one of my this favorites. Far Cry. Far, far, um, oh, four. Yeah, Far Cry four. four. Yes, four. Yeah, yeah. That was horrifying. Yeah. Horrifying. Although they, I think they were in three as well, right? Weren't there some pretty nasty birds in I three? I seem to remember there were some nasty birds in three, but uh, I feel like the eagles in Kirat were just more integrated into the yes. world yeah. and more of like an ever-present terror to the point where civilians would call them out if they saw them. So I remember I was I was at Ubisoft when this game was being released and like that would come up. So like if you played Far Cry 3 and then going into 4, it almost feels like in 4 there's like a slider on animal attacks and animal craziness that that one of the developers Mm. just slid all the way to the top. But I remember during the marketing for 4, like we discussed like, yeah, like these emergent moments with the animals on the map, people really like those from 3. So we're amping them up way more in 4 and and it. That was true. Like, that wasn't just marketing Dude, speak. Like, no, that game had a lot more animal encounters. I, I think you're right. There was birds to shoot in 3, but, like, you're not introduced to birds in Far Cry 4. And look at that bird off in the distance. I wonder if it'll attack me. It's just, like, moments into the game, you're looking into the whites of the eyes <laughs> of a bird that is in your face and clawing yes. at you. Yeah, yeah and, it, will, it will claw people and often kill them. It will kill other animals, monkeys, pigs, and goats. And carry them mm-hmm. off into the air. And, yep. like, it's carrying a pig, like, four times its size. It's kind of impressive. Even it's a game, game with wild rhinoceroses, rhinoceri, whatever, mm-hmm. that you can encounter. Not as scary as the bird encounters in that game. The birds are terrifying yeah. because sometimes you'll just, you won't know they're they're coming. Like, if you're not listening carefully or whatever. And then just, like, kind of off screen, your character will just be like, ah, freak out. And the camera will, will twist to see that bird, like, clawing your face yeah, you off. you didn't even it know it was there. Moment. Yep. But right in your face. few things as fulfilling as taking down one of those fuckers with the bow and arrow. That's true. Oh, that feels so good. If you can do it like right as it's swooping in at you. Oh, man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, not even peddlers on the road are safe from their vile machinations. Hello, hello. What can I have? <laughs> just... It's funny oh, every time yeah, it happens. It just cut <laughs> cut off lines. It's great. It's it's now like a. I think I know. I've told the story before because it's stupid and it involves me in my twenties. Uh, I was living in a friend's house while she was out of the country because I didn't have anywhere else to go. So I had free rent in this house. Uh, and then one day, every time I left the house, I was attacked by a bird. 
and then every time I'd come to the door, I'm attacked by a bird. And I was like, what the fuck is this about? And of course, of course, the bird had laid eggs in the tree next to the door. Uh, so okay. e- every time I came in and out of the door, I was a threat to the bird. Mm. I didn't know what to do about it. My friend had given me a pellet gun. I'm like, if this dude, because it fucking, it's not like it was super painful, but like it was a little bird, but the claws and the beak pecks hurt like a motherfucker. And it yeah. do it in front of like this girl I'm trying to see. <laughs> so like, I just <laughs> took out this pellet gun and like, come on, come at me, come at me again. And it, you know, it was one of those metal Walmart pellet guns that you could not get through airport security. And then I found out later that I think somebody had called the cops because I was we were right next to a busy six lane road, and you're brandishing and a, what looks like a real gun. A maniac, like screaming and hold, like <laughs> swinging a black gun around in the air. Like imagine if you just drove by that. This is a very naughty bird. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got this coming. Wow. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I still yeah have a mild fear of birds. Hmm. I get my sure. my bird my bird run in was uh, I I it was very shortly after I moved to Japan in the, in the year two thousand and um, I went to the local convenience store I was gonna like go out for the day and I, I swung by to get some food and the of course you know Japanese convenience store food is incredible and I go in and there's like a there's like a, a cheeseburger basically in the you know the the case and they you know they heat it up for you and I have this like amazing like hot cheeseburger and. I walk out of the door of the convenience store and back and, and like as soon as I step, you know, back outside, like wham, I get like punched in the back of the head, Whoa. basically. Like just get hit like boom in the back of that. My head goes down, I come back up, cheeseburger is gone. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I look up in the and I just look up in the sky and the the Hawk or uh, or what? Uh, it was a kuma. It was a Japanese yes. kuma bird. <laughs> <It was> a <laughs> had, had, had the cheeseburger in its mighty talons and was flying away. Like just they those. I guess the bird just circles the convenience store, waiting for the idiot to walk out with the nice hot food unprotected Smart. and just and just stole it off me. This huge bird and wow. the the hit in the back of the head was its wing because it came down over my shoulder, oh, oh. smacked me hard in the back of the head with its mighty wing That's, as it as it clutched the cheeseburger in its in its its feet. That's what I was wondering. Like a pelican-sized bird doing that to you right now. The bird has no interest in you. It wants the burger. So I wondered if, like, this is a tactic. I beat this fucker on the back of the head until he drops it. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right, right. The bird was that evolved. Yep, yep. (laughs) Well, they say some birds, like like ravens in particular, they have. They're pretty smart, and they Mm -hmm. have memories, and you can you can use that to your advantage or disadvantage. Like if you fuck with the flock of uh, a murder, well, it's crows. It's crows. If if you if you yes, if you fuck with the murder of crows, they can remember you and um, make your life hell when you leave your house. Or if you if you feed them every day, you can. I've read internet like Reddit threads of people training murders of crows to do things, and they will like literally follow them. It's a it's a very goth moment if you have a murder of crows. I have occasionally yeah heard things where it was just like. Oh, like I have this problem. There's all these birds around my house, and they all seem to hate me. And people are just like, "You have to move. Like, you literally <laughs> yeah. have to, like there's nothing you could do. They hate you now. And move. Yeah. You, you know what funny. they call uh, two crows? What? An attempted murder. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. We'll be right back. Uh, is that wow. is that a joke from your dad who grew up in like the Florida wildlife? Look, I will be quiet for five minutes. I'll okay. go that's good. Out. No, that's good. No, as a as a dad, I need to log that one and bring that that's one back. That's a good back one. It is a good one. one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, love the Eagles in Far Cry 4, but oh man, you want a real bastard fuck of a bird. I fucking hate the Eagles, man. Yeah, I fucking hate the <laughs> Eagles, man. Uh, you will hate these guys more. <laughs> Number two. I made sure to include some some familiar sound effects. Some very guys. souls like uh, yeah, souls like death death sounds mm-hmm. in that one. Right? Oh, my my okay. my cans are a little weird. So initially, I'm like that's just a car accident. <laughs> but uh, but but now now I now I got it because I chose for some reason to grind here, and in hindsight, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So I got really good at this. And what in, is it? Uh, Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Right, take the micro oh, yeah. sound. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that. That's everyone knows that is the distinct sound from Elden Ring when you beat a boss. Yes. That plays. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. very rewarding. That's true. The boss gets a gets a phone call. It's a text. I didn't <laughs> use it earlier. I wanted to use it somewhere. Uh, nice. Okay, so the the hawks in Stormvale Keep might be some of the toughest enemies in the early game, especially if you're not prepared for them. If you're not sure which ones I mean, I'm pretty sure all I have to say is the ones with swords for feet. Yeah, like those yep. fuckers, giant, giant hawks. You should, you yeah, should they're, too. They're, they're, small. they're giant hawks. There's one like right outside of a save room that uh, oh, it looks you know kind of innocuous. It's hard to see if you're not looking for it, and so you go down a set of stairs next to it, and it will immediately throw an explosive barrel at you and ignite the explosive barrels next to the foot of that those stairs, and uh, it just will fuck your shit up. That audio was my level 165 character. <laughs> Get, almost getting killed by those two hawks just trying to capture this audio. Yeah. You can't oh, yeah. have bird Donkey Kong. That is not fair. Mm-mm. Not not fair at all. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I think you can uh just shoot that exploding barrel that one of them is sitting on with with an uh, like a flaming arrow or something and just preemptively sure. blow it up. Why not? But those things are all over the place in Stormvale. They hang out in trees. They kind of stay out of sight until suddenly they're not and then you have to time your attacks very carefully against theirs, mm-hmm. which they, they swoop in, they flail their legs around, they swoop out. They're hard yep. to hit. I, I, f- I found it to be a good grind spot because there were so... At, up at the top of one of the castle areas, there's a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And if you can land that three-hit combo, you know, they don't do anything. If you miss once, you are dead. Mm-hmm. There, yep. there were probably oh, yeah. way better areas to grind in, but there were a lot of them in the... Yeah, it made sense to me I, at the time. If I remember correctly, I think that's one of the – I mean I sent you guys a lot of videos of me playing Elden Ring and we all sort of did. We were obsessed. But like one of my more memorable deaths in that game – I don't think it was Stormvale Keep. But like one of those damn birds was attacking me and I'm dodging and I tend to roll dex builds. So I do a lot of rolling, right? And it was like it just attacked me near the edge of a cliff and without thinking – I just completely rolled off the side of the cliff with it, like which is like feels like one of the most souls-like ways you can ever fucking die of just like humiliation, right? And I think it was possibly too like I <laughs> thought I had just finished beating all these enemies, but one kind of came back, wasn't really dead, and it's a very very humiliating way to die. And that's just kind of what birds in general in video games do. But for some reason in, in Elden Ring, it was it was even worse. Mostly because there wasn't wasn't just one variety of killer bird in this game, right? There's like oh, there's, several there's types. There's several. Of there's birds. the the death birds. 
the death right bird. Oh god, uh, the, death the death birds are so fucking creepy because they're just like randomized bosses that will sometimes appear or not in in certain places. Yeah, and so you'll just conditions. be you know wandering around this area that you've explored a bunch of times before, and all of a sudden this gigantic skeletal bird creature flies down mm-hmm. from the sky and menaces you, and it's a little bit terrifying the first couple times that happens. And and yeah, just to give a nod to another flying enemy in this game. Uh, even though they're not feathery, this game is full of harpies, and mm-hmm. they <laughs> sing. The they sing in Latin for some reason. Terrifying! Oh my god! If you haven't played Elden Ring. Imagine for 80 hours there's been no music. And no no, no voice for the most part. Yeah, no voice. Nothing. And then I'm like, oh, that sounds lovely. And then I realize it's coming from a thing that is going to murder me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It's like, oh, is there a new character around here? Oh, no, there is not. Uh, that is. What are those enemies? Maybe they're bats that they lay flat on the ground and then pop mm-hmm. up as like killer bird like. Yeah. And they're pretty close to the start of that game, too. I call them reverse bats because they're out during the day and on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's a good, yep. good name. That's for why it. I'm not George R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> that's. that's... <laughs> Right, because well, because the name didn't begin with. I think people discovered G R or M, right? Like they were it was like all of his character names. Deliberate with those choice. Yeah. I think it was a motif. I don't, I don't want to, I, look, I've enjoyed that man's books, uh, but then he stopped making them. Yeah, and, so he could do stuff like this. So yeah, yes, one of my favorite games ever. I yeah. cannot say enough good things about Elden Ring, which I saw. I think is finally on sale significantly if you have not played it yet. I write video games and wear a sailor hat. <laughs> it's not it's, how he sounds. It's, it's more of a train sounds. conductor's cap anyway. I <laughs> uh, kid George R. R. Martin. Uh, yeah, Harpy. The only other Harpy dude. We just watched The Last Unicorn for something we did on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash laser time. Um, that is terrifying. Watching Angela Lansbury get her guts torn out by a bird she's been taunting for de- last unicorn. Anyone? I don't Great remember film. this cut of the movie. Yeah, man. They were like when they're at the zoo, mm, and right. um, there's all those mystical animals. But the harpy was real. I, I don't think I could handle seeing Jessica Fletcher go down that way. That fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. No <laughs> all right. Well, let's bring it home with the biggest bastard bird of all time. I knew it. Of course. What else would it be? Oh man, I think I, I think things. I remember. I don't want to speak for him, but I Brett just said like, you know, I think I think I'm going to try and make a Ninja Gaiden record. Just I don't mind devoting myself like an hour or so, you know, for a couple months and getting. I'll be the best at Ninja Gaiden. And I think once he got here, just like, nah, never mind. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't, that was a bad idea. I don't. I don't think I want to do that. It's just, I mean, especially in the way that, you know, the, if you, you, you advance the screen and the enemy comes at you and take care of the enemy. And then if you double back a little bit and then mm-hmm. you go, you know, slightly mm-hmm. back, it just comes yeah, right back again. at you. Yep. It's like those, oh man, so many, so many deaths to random birds in Ninja Gaiden, especially because you're like, oh, I'm conserving my energy. I'm doing pretty good. And it's just like, yeah. mm, right. Into well, they all, they always couple them too with platforming sequences. Like this is the textbook example of like a bird 
that is there, placed there specifically to knock you off a platform. And, you know, that game is hard in general, right? Like those games, I should say. And it's like I would always – it's also one of those games where you have to be carrying the right type of magic or power, like for the right situation. And so I would, I would save. I forget which magic power it was that was like, this is going to help me the most against birds. I think it was the one that like you kind of shoot out little mini tornadoes in front of oh, you that, or something like Art that. Of oh the yeah, fire that. Wheel. Well, yeah. that yeah, yeah but uh, well, firewheel for sure. This guy in two, right? At, well, oh no, no, no. no. You, so These also in one. Guide, in one, you have you, in one you have the um, yeah, 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 for sure. And then you, I mean, you have the uh, the spinning in the air thing. Yes, spin yeah. in the air with your sword. Yes, that helps, the screw that attack. Helps the that, the yeah, screw yeah. attack uh-huh. helps you go s- slices through birds like butter. So you better yeah. have that when you get up but there. But you got to save yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Not not as yeah. practical elsewhere I, in the game, but like really helps with these sequences. I, I remember my thought, you know, deploying that was like, why is this a power? This should just be what happens every time I jump. I'm a ninja. Like, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't yeah. they always have their swords out? Uh, but yeah, yeah they, it's prone to accidents, Mike. You can't just be uh, whipping a sword out as you're just jumping and somersaulting in the air. But, you know. Yeah, and, I think these are maybe second only to the Castlevania Medusa heads for sheer universal yes, okay. irritation. And and apparently, uh, you can you can beat them if you just keep running. Like every long play that I've watched, it's like, oh, you're just running right past them. And uh, yeah. okay, yeah. So, but yeah, they they will. You know, swoop down, sort of uh, slow and reverse, like, you know, wheeling back around to hit you and then come at you from, like, a low angle. They right. are gifted. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> right, you jump over it and then uh-huh. they, they come back. Yeah, they, they oh, are man. gifted at, like, you're, you're coming down onto a ledge. They they will swoop in at that moment where, and, and, yeah, knock you into space. And uh, mm-hmm. they're just the worst. They're the worst fucking things. I, 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 I'm, you know, when we, you were floating this around, I was, I, we had just played Exoprimal and I'm playing Remnant 2 and there's just something about like a game for hours conditioning you to scan the ground and all of a sudden like behind you in the air, there's a thing hitting you. It like, it is so irritating. <laughs> so even in Exoprimal, there's like no cl- class that's good at handling pterodactyls. You just notice I'm mm. getting hit by something in the back of the head. Are all birds assholes in games? Like I just pretty much for the most part, yeah. In in part. real life, I think too. I mean, That's you know, yeah. we we at least half of this podcast has had serious issues with birds IRL, yeah. which I think game designers are just getting in there and kind of working out some of their feelings, basically. By making birds, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure I have Shit. a positive experience with birds now that I think about no. it. No, right, right. right. I, what would they do? Like, what what could they do positively for you? Nothing. Right. I well, just we, got a we very do 43 have... year old. I got a very 43-year-old haircut, by the way, because okay. she's like, uh, do you want me to trim your ears? I'm like, yes. Always say yes to that, <laughs> yeah, by the way. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, how much hair am I growing on my ears? And then I remember my grandfather, it was he was growing like, it looked like a, a cartoon blast of ear hair. Yeah. And my aunt had a bird, and the bird, whenever he came over, it was it was like, bagah, and would fly over, sit on his shoulder, and just just munch on his ear hair and the whole Gross. family loved it and now it just grosses me out to no end <laughs> oh nasty well I, I feel like birds deserve equal time uh from this persecuted minority we actually have a speaker everyone please welcome oh, wow. big oh, bird oh. hello ernie is hiding in a box click on something that sparkles to begin our journey to ernie <laughs> thank you for that completely irrelevant quote uh yeah i was trying to be cute and find a big bird entry uh chris i, I sometimes i sometimes love how much 
Big Bird and Dan Amrick saying hi sound exactly the same. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah you you will not be able to not hear yeah. it now. Yeah. Um, hi. Hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I what Big Bird game? Because I remember there was an NES one that's like, it's a lot of talking for an NES Big game. Bird's mm-hmm. Hide and Speak. Yeah, well, that yeah. was the idea. It was a, uh, they had, I, I don't know if they had a special hardware in there or something like that, but it was called Big Bird's Hide and Speak. And they, they yeah, there was tons of, of uh, synthesized uh, speech. Yes, and things you could only barely legally classify as games. Uh, but, but Well, there was and, and no room for any video games. They filled yeah, up all the ROM chips with all the synthesized speech. All, all this Pay Carol attention. Spinney on there. And, and, yeah. and, and, but finding a game called Journey to Ernie, I have not encountered a more <laughs> unintentional <laughs> porn name in my entire life. Journey to Ernie? Uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Uh, Journey, even though you know, Ernie's Earth. probably fine with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> Gee, Bert. <laughs> Gee, Bert, you got to be more fluid. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what was the uh, the onion story? It's like no, Bert and Ernie are not gay. They are depraved pansexual freaks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. They always have have an option living in the same room with one another. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, gross. <laughs> I hate fucking. I hate doing. I swear, I hate doing that to. <laughs> sure. To ch- I, I, I hate you. dark versions of childhood mm-hmm. or uh, yeah preschool <laughs> characters. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, well, birds though. Shout, birds. shout out to Cliff Racers, uh, Morrowinds, Airborne Plagues that were you know yep. it, it yep. described later as having been all wiped out by the protagonist of Morrowind uh, canonically. But um, that has shout out to the brave people at Penny Arcade for first you know naming this the scourge of the skies but with their book compilation just called birds are weird mm-hmm. which is still to one of the yeah. state like it's, it's one of the funniest book titles i've ever heard to this day like yes birds are weird i'm glad you have a book named that uh, scourge of the skies is a pretty good uh, name for this episode i might steal that yeah. or or a death metal band mm-hmm. take your pick yeah all right so uh that has been our top five bird bastard uh chris <laughs> thank you so much again for joining us this has been really great real dude once again where can people find you online uh yes so i am on uh x.com the everything app <laughs> yes as, uh, it's uh, at at kobun heat is my yeah my handle my handle used to be uh at x but i had to change it uh now it's uh at at kobun heat k-o-b-u-n-h-e-a-t it's my personal account personal stuff uh, follow Digital Eclipse on 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 uh, formerly the, the social media network formerly known as Twitter um, for like you know updates on when the making of Karataka is coming out uh, for other stuff in the Gold Master series, which is this uh, is it, you know it is a self published independent line uh, of interactive documentary style game releases, which means we we need everybody's support. Like there's no like you know huge publisher funding any of this stuff. You know we're we're assuming the risk ourselves, and it is sort of a risky proposition because. We're not really sure what the audience for this sort of thing is. We just know that, like, we believe it's that me. this is very important. It's it's you. Yeah. It's great. Just, okay, so just an audience buy. of one. It's me. Yep. And Chris. So please buy. Yeah. Michael, please buy no, several thousand copies. For I'll well, do this. Meet their numbers. Since it's the two of them, they only have to buy 50,000 copies each. So that's <laughs> right, already, right, we're already yeah. doing real good I, here. I, um, I feel like a lot of DVD uh, special features. Before, there was people making great content on YouTube. Special features on DVDs, because film documentaries were hard to come by. They didn't air on TV much, or you had to pay to see them in theaters, mm. and I'm 18. DVDs yeah. came out and made me a different kind of movie fan, right. and, and, and through content like this. And, and and to be a thorough fan, I would devour stuff like uh, the Karateka, uh, what's and, it called? Gold uh, Master Collection? 
So the Gold Master, the Gold Master series is the name series. of the line that we're doing. Do, of which, uh, for which Karata, the making of Karataka is the name ah. of the game. It's number one. The making Cole, of are you, is, is it you or Micah who who calls yourself basically what you're doing? It's like you want to be the Criterion of video games. Who who is quoted as? You know what? On, honestly, it's 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 none of us quoted as saying that. It's I people it are looking at what we're doing and we're there and they're saying like, oh, it's like the Criterion Collection for games. And we'll take that as a great compliment. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. we are all about like it's it's just like we're looking at this thinking, look. There's these great doc. There's these great Netflix series about video game history, and there's like the Tetris movie, and there's all these books about video game history that I've read and I loved, and I've written books about video game history. But like, shouldn't we be using the the creative medium that is the video yes, game, yeah. like yeah. as the the method through which to tell these stories well, and to do it in a way that it actually yeah. integrates the game code itself? So Low talent hacks say the Criterion happen. thing. What, what I say is, you guys are picking <laughs> hey. up the ball. You're picking up the Encarta ball that Microsoft dropped decades ago. This, you're basically you're, you're carrying on the the legacy no, of Microsoft Encarta. You, you are carrying the torch of New Line <laughs> Cinema's Infinifilm series. You might yes. recognize it from Austin Powers Two or your yes. Copy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 it, it it works the opposite way. Like you watch this documentary and like. Play a piece of this. Like, that's what I've always wanted to yeah, be able to do. I, I, I like Because, honestly, because that's how I uh, – the thing you described of, like, okay, I'm going to buy a classic game collection. It's just going to be a list of games, and where do I start? It even would dictate, like, the way I played those games is very much, like, it's just like an all-you-can-eat buffet. I'm just going to go play a game for a minute or two. Like, okay, I've gotten my fill. I, I'm, I'm good. And I kind of like in your games, it's like, well – we're going to contextualize this thing for you. And then, yeah, you, you can just play a minute or two to be like, I'm going to now experience this thing I've been learning about. Time for me to move on. So I guess what I'm saying is it gives me a lot less guilt about the way I typically tend that's to consume those classic that's collections. That's the thing. That is how I think that people approach classic game collections is that mm-hmm. they do, especially if it's something where there's like 100 games or whatever. It's like they you you don't just sit there and pick one game and just play it for five hours. You'll play it for a little bit and think, oh, well, there's all these other games. Let me go try yep. some. And you end up just like doing little you know minutes here and there of things. Right. And, and, and at the end of all of that, you might actually think like maybe this isn't the product for me. Because I mm-hmm. can't find anything in this list of games that's really grabbing me. But by putting a, a framework around it, you know what I mean? And then using those, yep. it, you you can play. You don't have to play Jordan's clone of Asteroids for any more than a couple of minutes. Uh, you don't even have to play it at all. You can just do watch mode if you want to. But if you play it for a couple of minutes and you jump back out, by the end of going through all the timelines and all of those experiences, by the end of it, all those minutes... The, the dream is that you feel that those added up to something, that that yeah. took you somewhere, and that now you've got this bank of knowledge about something that you might not have had before. And so it's like, how do we use that and leverage that in a, in a smarter way? And that's what we're trying yeah. to do. And I, I, wow. and I, think, I think speaking on behalf of people like Michael and I, anybody with an editorial background and working at a publisher, it just seems like the dream gig for folks like you and Amrick, just like somewhere in the middle of both. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. Basically, yes. I mean, it's 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 incredible to get to. I mean, everything that I did over twenty five years in the media, like all of that, is very directly applicable and very useful for this. Because the thing is, in I mean, you know, you you kind of have to import people out of journalism into game design in order to do this. Because yeah. people who start in game design or in the games industry from a young age don't actually get the training that you would need to do an interactive documentary like this. So it kind of, yep. it kind of, it, it, that's, that's how it has to work out that way. Yeah. Oh, 
so so just so happy about it all, man. Really, because well, like, thank like you, you I said, can't, I, I can't wait for you guys to get to to get to, to get to try it. Love it, awesome, Same. awesome, man. All right, well, thank you so much again, and uh, for the three of us, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some news, some new releases, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Let's get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. When you either get bored or, you know, there's no more places to put stuff, maybe you get married, and when you want to buy dork stuff, be selective. I'm not saying be expensive, but this is the kind of stuff I gush over now. I I do have stuff that is one of the kind that I hung up on my wall or put on my shelf that makes me smile way more than any pop figure or reissue $20 action figure. It's just like, God, this makes me happy. And I recommend... If you're re- if you've been dorky about something for more than twenty years, get involved in that scene. Even if it's you're not paying into it, like start looking at it. And that's my preface for getting you interested in what Matt and I are about to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Some, I, part of something that depressed me today was seeing how many people are into our scene, and that Sucks. we are basically competing with for Disney Park memorabilia. Yeah. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And welcome back to our second segment, where we're just going to dive in with that segment known to you and to me as... I miss Chris Kohler. Karateka will not be on this <laughs> new releases segment, but you know what is? Remnant 2. Ooh. My baby. My baby's all grown up. Yeah. It's got a sequel, and it's doing well. It was on, uh, it was like the top-selling game on Steam last I checked. Wow. Some of the so. best. And, yeah, Steam was real receptive to Remnant. I'm not sure how console audiences, uh, because it's like, it's like, ten, it's less than 15 bucks now for the complete edition on every console now. So if you if you have, you're skeptical about Remnant Two, try Remnant One because for me it was a godsend. It was it did so many things I loved about Destiny as a shooter without the fucking bullshit, the loot bullshit. So mm. many things I loved about Dark Souls, but if you like Dark Souls, you have a stamina bar, but not you. It's gun based, so none of your attacks use stamina. Just your dodging and uh, just your melee. It's amazing. It is, it is, it is, it, in the first remnant was like this, I don't know, maybe you can explain it better. It, maybe it was just a little scrappy gung-ho game, Maddie, or maybe it was intentionally like, we're going to leave out all these overblown cutscenes and like a bunch of stuff that's just like kind of useless. You don't need this many upgrades. You want to up, you want to upgrade your weapons and your armor on occasion. Do that once a level. All good. You don't need. Pretty streamlined game. Yeah. It was designed to be that way because the whole replayability is meant to come from the proc gen levels, right? Like so yeah. you didn't you didn't need 
I'm not to say there wasn't depth and systems, and that was definitely something. You yeah. Know, would when we were marketing it with Gunfire Games, the developer, like, yeah, we, you know, we were aware. Hey, these these games need that, and part of the Souls formula is 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 having that. But it's 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 not just. I mean, the the elevator pitch for those games is it's Dark Souls with guns. At the time, there were a lot of games trying that, and no one succeeded. Yeah. And Remnant. Scrappy as it was, like kind of did emerge uh, from the ashes, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, as 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 a successful one of those. Whereas a lot of people were not able to, to nail it, and it it has a unique feel. I, I think one of the reasons it succeeded is it it still has its own identity. Um, it it doesn't feel exactly like a Souls game. Obviously, it shouldn't with guns, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it is a scrappier game, and I like that because it's, as Chris and yeah. I have said many times on the show, we like gamey games. Yeah, mm. it, it distilled what I liked about the gameplay of two of my favorite games and left out all the nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the things you can get freemiumed over, it, like it, that just wasn't there, and it was a satisfying experience all the way through. And here's, before I get into that, the fun thing, I've played this game for a couple hours. Now, we should say we got codes for the ultimate edition of this mm. game. So you get some, some cool stuff to give you a head start, I think. And I it enabled people that. to play early. I didn't use that. Mm. Uh, I have gotten almost nowhere in the most satisfying way I've ever felt. That since sounds like Remnant. Time. Sounds like that. But I, 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 I did put it on. Um, I gave that advice to you. I put it on veteran difficulty. It's like, yeah, you love a challenge used to shooters. Try veteran. And there's two more difficulty levels. So I thought that was default. And maybe it is. But it is meant to be fucking hard, and like enemies are so enemies are so weird, you absolutely have to learn them. There, nobody is a bullet sponge. Why would you do that to yourself, though? Like I haven't done that since my twenties. That that setting is for people who can't buy more than a few games a year, who really need to milk as much time out of it, each game it, as possible. The first the first difficulty tier was Survivor, and it didn't have a sub, a, a description, so I just assumed it was like you know for beginner. I, you see that in a lot yeah. of games. You just want to mm-hmm. experience a story and. Yeah. Not die all the time, but like Easy baby it is mode. satisfying. Getting, that's, well, that's what no, they needed. They it, needed the uh, the Wolfenstein remake where he had, he literally has the the bonnet and the pacifier. Mm-hmm. Can I play, Daddy? I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. but like I remember, like we streamed it, like in Bloodborne, like it was. I I played. I got a free copy of the Unrefined Dark Souls two, and that was my first Dark Souls game. And I just kind of played with it over a series of two nights. Bloodborne, like I love this. I'm getting nowhere and I'm happy as fuck because I'm always in combat, even when I'm dying. And to Remnant's credit, man, when you die, it is instant restarts. The load times are awesome Good. on uh, Xbox. Just amazing. Uh, but I, I've done very little, but I've learned the shit out of every enemy I've encountered to the point where it's really fucking fun. Good kind of challenging. Not like Destiny where things just soak up bullets forever and you learn how to dodge once or twice. Like, you really got to exploit things. Yeah. Uh, I, and one of my first things, favorite things about the first Remnant, uh, story, lore, start, this starts the game and then you go into a warehouse with all these people and like, here's my story. I'm like, oh, they're going to make me talk to these people all throughout the game. And they never do again. Mm. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> they, you go here to upgrade your weapons. You go to this dude to upgrade your armor no conversations this game is chatty as a motherfucker like everybody talks everybody has dialogue trees there is an i don't know what to call it an npc an upgrade post you will take a morality quiz which will dictate what you get 
Your two best friends are getting married, and one informs you of an liaison right before the wedding. Do you stop the wedding and tell your friend, or do you let them be blissfully happy together? And that's one of, like, nine questions to get an unlock that is dictated through your choices. <laughs> it is It is so talking. I stop the wedding it? and kiss the bride, and I say, now you're <laughs> even. <laughs> I may I may be partially to blame for this, because I, I think I've told you guys this story before. When I was working on the original... I was just kind of like, well, you know, what what else is there that we can talk about? We can hype up. And I, as, as I'm like playing it one day, this is before we released it. I'm like, God dang, I recognize that NPC's voice. And I, I, I'm like, who who's playing these NPCs? And I'm like, that sounds an awful lot like Dave Finoy. Who's that? The lead from Telltale's A Walking Dead. Oh, oh yes, he's yes, definitely yes. in this game too. Yes. The following Hulu program is brought to you by God. And I, I kind of <laughs> told time. the devs, I'm like, hey, that. That's that's something we should talk about. That's sort of a big deal with with game fans. Like they know this dude. He's been in a lot of game mm-hmm. stuff, you know. So, uh, but, but 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 and people should not think that Remnant games don't have a lot of story. It's a bit like Souls. Like there's a ton of lore behind Remnant games, and totally. there's there are other games that are like they, there was that VR game that they all tie into this this grandiose like lore thing. But you don't need to engage with any of that bullshit yeah, as like you it, actually it, play Remnant. It tells you a story of a corruptive force called like the Root or something that is... Yes, the Root. Yeah. Has made everything fucking terrifying, very few human... But like, it was so... Like, I don't even know if it was intentional in the first game, but it's just so elegant, like... If I want to learn more about this, I will, and occasionally I did, and I There's would There's computer go, logs you can read, and it'll, you it'll tell you some of that stuff, yeah. But th- this one is just like, nah, we want to take a full AAA stab, and we're we're going to give you cutscenes and dialogue. I mean, you all skippable, but I'm still doing that thing where I skip, but I'm I'm reading the subtitles and like none yeah. of this is of any real consequence. You are just doing some very serious world building that I really appreciated you not having in the previous game. That is that is me. I I I think I'm a broken record on that. I'm a game guy, not a story guy. I like I like a yeah, setting. Yeah, they do it too. More than I like a plot. Um because I basically I'm here to shoot stuff, and the the last remnant game, and I haven't, don't even think I've gotten to a boss, uh, had some of the best fucking boss battles I've ever experienced. Oh, yeah. They oh, were yeah. they were like those destiny, um, what do you call them? Uh, raids, like the, runs, like the, stri- the like strikes, the end of the, the strikes. strikes, not yeah. the strikes, but the, the things where like you would encounter like what the fuck am I supposed to do here? And you needed, you really do need to call some people in. You some of the stuff in remnant you could not do alone. Mm. Um, you really needed a second player for, and and I even checked the last couple Xbox Live messages I have from randos are from Remnant. Like uh, mm. when you when he warps you to this area, you got to shoot this stuff. That'll give me health, and then I'll get you out of here. And like, oh god, I can't believe this asshole wrote this with a D pad. He's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, what what did happen? I'm like, yeah, man, this is fucking tough. And then it's like, oh, you can go back to the ward, your hub world, anytime you want. Upgrade, buy new weapons, upgrade armor, buy new armor, buy all this shit. And, like, everything fell into place after that. I I said to you guys, this is really hard. Like, no, there's a shitload of modifiers in this game. And even failing gets you enough scrap, your currency in this game, your souls. You can't call them your souls because not every enemy drops them. And it's always an indeterminate amount when they do. Yeah. But you usually get it. You can get it just from some of the fauna in the game as well. It is fucking excellent. It is one of the few times... And I love Chris Kohler, by the way. I did not fawn all over him, but like 
he's one of like yeah, you were a little dick like, righty, mm-hmm. a little dick righty. Was I like yeah. I? I love that guy. Like I think it's because he was like the first. Michael can maybe correct me on this. He felt like the first respective video game writer on the internet. One of them. I don't know. Like that's what it felt like to me because I was still reading game magazines. And what about Brian Crescente? I knew of Kohler before oh, him. Okay. Did, uh, yeah, like I, I was mm. reading Kohler before well, him. To be fair, Kohler's hair, not as good as Crescente. <laughs> it's true. Crescente it's true. has amazing hair. I forgot. I totally forgot where I was going with that. But I don't mind complimenting Chris Kohler because I really do like that guy. Okay. And, Just uh, like, we, sounds like we, you really do like Remnant too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love, I love it. It might, it, it's already, I think it's shaping up to be my game of the year. Wow. Like the, the Dark Horse. It's very, very, very good. It's and it, it offers the perfect kind of challenge. Because is that just me? I kind of want like just give me a first person shooter to run through. I don't really care about the story. Just let me run through it. And this is like the perfect. You can't necessarily run through it. Everything is challenging, and sometimes will come at you in waves that is like this is too formidable. Then you see the unlocks and perks. There is way more of that shit and things to modify. Like you can totally get through this if you play around with that stuff. Can I, I have a quick quick story so for you that uh, I think you and I are similar in, in skipping a lot of VO. I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 16 because I'm trying to get it finished, and um, mm-hmm. there are NPCs oh, yeah. in the in the hub world where you go up to them and they start to talk, and because I'm just so used to skipping over what they're hep, saying, hep, 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 I just hep, assumed hep. I was skipping all the voice acting. No. They only say the first line because at one time I was like, oh, I want, I want to hear this person yeah. do this read. And it's like the NPCs just say the first line. But I never would have noticed that because that's mm. all I ever hear anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, it does happen occasionally. And and again, Final Fantasy 16, I have no problem even saying right now I'm willing to strike from the games of the year list. It is worn out its welcome. It's I dread finishing game. it. It's a very long game. Um, yeah, it had so many amazing moments. And like this, if this game ended at hour 15, it would have been perfect. Sure. Uh, and now it's sure. just we're gonna do that we're gonna have four more moments not as good as the anyway uh remnant 2 is highly highly recommended i'm i'm, I'm jelly because I, I got us i got his codes and then i just didn't have time to play it because it was downloading because it's a it's a significantly bigger file than the original because it's on on current gen systems or whatever and um yeah i, oh, I can't wait oh, to play it oh yeah. it's yeah it's only like 55 gigs one of my favorite oh, things my. ever <laughs> in it uh right. Uh, well, only yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Only because, yeah. like, I like I, w- I was, I had like a, an hour to kill. I'm like, I never played the Avengers. 130 gigs. Fuck. Oh yeah, mm. Avengers um, is is very bloated in in terms of me. client size. Oh yeah. Uh, it what the, the the recent modern console thing we I think we've all complained about here on the show performance or uh what is it performance frame, or frame gameplay? rate yeah performance being frame, frame. rate and and. Quality is typically the yes, the other setting, mode. which means typically means 4K hmm. uh, and, and I've some lighting. I've never seen stuff. this on a console game. It has a balanced mode. Would you like a mixture of both? Like, yeah. I wonder what that Whatever means. Though, I wonder would you like, like 2K and 45 FPS? <laughs> well, it it it, it ha- the thing I'd never seen before. It has if you play on performance and like oh this is uncapped fps right. like uncapped F- mm. fps i don't think has ever been said inside any console game i've ever played it's a pc thing and and frankly i'd rather just lock i i prefer lock 60 than like uncapped where it's going to be varial like oh sometimes it might be 100 frames per second it's like 60 is good enough just lock it at 60 so i can get all the other stuff you know 
So, yeah, the game is beautiful and in a lot of ways feels a little more next-gen-y than a lot of other shooters I've played on That's good. PS5 and Xbox Series X because it seems to know what to prioritize. This is clearly a 4K texture. I'm clearly getting 60 frames a second. The game is figuring this out as I go and loading very fast. Nice. Thank you, next-gen. Even though I I don't remember what game we were playing last week where I told Exoprimal, mm. where I was like, my Xbox sounds like it's about to launch into the ceiling. Because its fan is kicking on so high, that was not an Exo Primal thing. That is an every every game thing now. It is. Huh. I am worried about my Series X. Hmm. You're keeping it on like oh. a, a shelf or something with something above it. It's got like it's got like seven inches of clearance. Well, maybe you know? that's like, not enough. I don't know. You, well, you don't to be fair, Chris's definition of seven inches hmm. probably yeah, varies it, from actual measurements. I measure the Xbox from the asshole. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get there. Where the dick starts. I'm surprised you don't know. <laughs> that is literally a letter Kenny's seen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> is it? Yes. Mm. Uh, well, oh. I, I couldn't play Remnant 2 because I, number one, have a job and had to prep the top five and also was playing Pikmin 4 from last week. So um, Pikmin 4, I, I confession, I have not really played a Pikmin since the first game. 4 has a dog as a pretty major component. Uh, in fact, you start the game with an abilities as Chris likes to call it, where you are riding Mm -hmm. around on a big dog and all of your Pikmin cling to this big dog and you are in what is clearly a human dwelling that you're very small in because you're playing as Olimar. And then um, you you find out that like... So Olimar got uh, rescued and... uh, But the the rescue team that picked him up, uh, they, they also crashed their ship. And there's like one rescue team member left, and that's you. And so you create a character, and you try to find everybody, and eventually track down Olimar again. And so at 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 first, there's a lot of dialogue. There's uh, very few Pikmin. You're mostly relying on your dog for like the first mission or so. But then you keep you stick with it, and eventually the tutorial dialogue kind of dies down a bit, and. Uh, you start to get Pikmin, and it starts to feel more like, you know, just typical Pikmin. Like, yeah, I'm marching around with my Pikmin, and there's uh, there's a big token with a five on it, and so I'm going to throw five Pikmin at it, and they're going to take it back, and it's going to make five more Pikmin. And then I'll, I'll just uh, throw them at some ladybugs and drag the corpse back to my lair. And uh, it's fun. <laughs> but it takes took me a little while to get to that point where I was really enjoying myself. But once That's what it, I hear. I, yeah. I hear the dog. The dog is new. Owachi is is the new thing. Yeah, so Owachi. Because he's the new thing, I'm sure that's why it's so dog yeah. heavy. And he's, he new, starts so. out kind of small, and then he gets bigger with as as the story progresses and can do more stuff. Yeah, he's he's good mainly for uh, smashing barriers. Like, you'll see, like, some cracked pots or something. They're like, oh, there's clearly something in there. Go smash them, dog, and then... You'll get you see some crackpots mm-hmm. talking about vaccines yep, and yep. voting machines. There, there are blue pebbles that you have to pick up, but I swear, like that's Walter White's mess. Like, there's no <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. no, it's a component. It melts down into a, a brown, malleable substance when heated. It's the perfect. That's Walter thing. White's mess. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I didn't even want to say this on mic, but I, I played the first Pikmin in, in my. I had my pants charmed on. I loved it. Yeah. And then every single thing, every other new Pikmin, I never liked what they added to shake up that formula. 
I just wanted new Pikmin levels, and I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to jump back into this. And if you don't remember, like, I don't remember if Tyler said it on the show when I was living with Tyler. I would play when, I would play when he would go to bed. Mm. And he, he actually, it was like one of the whistle. few times he would come out of his room and was like, you have to stop playing this fucking game. This constant whistling and shit, like, that is, that is like some uh, frequency that is traveling through walls and awful. <laughs> like, it... <laughs> And it was, and it was to play it, and it. Uh, I didn't like having to hook up a nunchuck to my Wii U control, my Wii controller to play a Wii U game properly. And I've never, uh, Pikmin's never done that to me. I'm excited to see it in Smash. I have an Olimar amiibo, uh, which I'm, I, I love. If you missed that in news, Matt, just a hilarious thing. Like in some territory, they are shipping Wave One ami- Wave One and Two amiibos too. And to me, that's always hilarious because, like, that's how Nintendo responds to demand. Smash Wii U came out eight years ago. (laughs) Eight years ago. (laughs) Your Olimar Amiibo might arrive finally. You can get your Olimar Amiibo again. But, uh, but yeah, I've never, like, I can't love Pikmin as much as I want to. And it's just such a charming and sweet game. Uh, It's hard to shit on, so I won't. But it's just never... As a franchise, has not really worked for me, so I don't. I, I didn't realize Michael had missed the the, the two and three, and just uh, yeah, that that's that is my Pikmin experience too. Hmm. Like I'm miffed by these additions, and I'm not sure this is a franchise. I'm glad someone there cares about it. I hope they care about it more than Metroid. That's that should anger you. <sighs> uh, I I don't. I know now as a mature adult not to think of things <laughs> like that or F Zero. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Pikmin has existed the entire time outside of a new F-Zero. Uh, that's, that's how long it's been around. Mm-hmm. I'm not resentful at all. I'm really not, but, uh, but, but, yeah, I, I, I did that Nintendo, what do you call it, ambassador thing? What was the thing? You Vouchers, two games? just the voucher program. Voucher. I'm not using it on No, 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 no. And, and another news story that I thought was funny and also sounded like bullshit Super Mario Wonder is kicking the shit out of the QA team. Really? Like, yeah, hyper difficult. Because I, I, I didn't. I thought. I think I said that when we talked about Super Mario Land a couple weeks ago. That was the first time Nintendo's like, here is a game for everybody, and everybody can play. And then halfway through, here is your fucking hard Mario game. Enjoy. Mm. Like most people won't be able to beat any of this shit. So a hard Nintendo game is a really beautiful thing can't wait hope that's the case super oh, mario oneater that'll get my voucher looking for the oneaters uh also let's see uh ratchet and clank rift apart hit pc that is obviously amazing a fantastic game and now it's on pc and we were taught you were talking about like uh console stuff like yeah. with having to choose between quality or performance mode if you have a beefy enough rig i mean i haven't played it but i would imagine that those restrictions are non-existent if you want to play well, well, with quality and 60 FPS or even 100 FPS yeah. well, and RTX. You can do that. I, I double-checked yeah, a few weeks yeah. ago. Like uh, Most of the first-party Sony games, they don't make you decide. They want to mm. run at 60 frames a second with 4K textures. They can do it. It's just like up to the game makers. The funniest thing was, is like uh, Ratchet & Clank market itself, we cannot do this riff shit without the PS5 hard drive. 
right. impossible I do to that. do. Yeah, yeah. Until now. Well, I mean, SS, you know, PCs have SSDs oh, yeah. as well, but I cannot imagine they require a solid state hard drive to play this game. I they, that Rift stuff was really not as prominent in the game as as the, we I were know. made to believe. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> if you'll remember, though, the console versions Insomniac games kind of do this trick where they they had the three settings, right? So they have the oh they did frame rate. They have the quality, and then they have um. There was a third RTX, setting which was like reflection. Yeah, it, it was just it was basically or disable RX. RTX, and you could get sixty four K. Just it would just disable RTX if I'm remembering correctly. Like they they had three options, and they do that with the uh, Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah. As well. I, only, I only read that, that I looked up like PS five sixty frames a second four K games. And Ratchet and Clank is one of them. All Sony first-party games are. It can it can do it without ray tracing. If you enable ray tracing, huh. I think it does cap it at thirty. Ray tracing is one of the the beefiest things. It's one of the things that is hardest in processing power. Also, one of the things I never fucking see. It feels very <laughs> unnecessary. I don't see no rays being traced. It's it, it, it's really cool if the game takes advantage of it. Like Spider-Man Miles Morales did it really well. Like with the reflection of your character in the skyscraper, with you know you can see the rest of the city reflected. Yes. There's yeah. a really cool moment which you only see if you have a specific costume. That has like reflective glass lenses where like this is slimy executive characters like leaning into your face. And if you have this mask on, you can see his face reflected in the lenses, like distorted mm-hmm. and everything. And it looks super cool. But Not cool enough to reduce my frame rate to 30 frames. Eh. But yes, I know what you mean. Well, do you know, play at 1080p with 60. There you go. PX. Ah, uh, what am I? What am I, uh, a Cretan? Going to pay mm-hmm. 1080p? Get yeah. out of here. What am I, a Switch player? Exactly. No, I'm kidding. I, 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 <laughs> Switch I, can't I, hit 1080p. Stuff, I wear kidding. glasses. None of that shit matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what's yeah. so funny. I'm such a snob with visuals, and it's mm-hmm. like, uh, let me put my glasses on it because I can barely see this shit anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, High on Life hit PlayStation? As a surprise release, yeah, every, everyone has been, like, wondering well, how long is this Xbox exclusivity, and they sprung it on us during Comic-Con. Like, wow. surprise, it's out. So does it still have uh, Royland's voice, or did they swap it out I don't know. I'm not going to play this bad game on PlayStation. It's a wonderful no, it, game. It's not wonderful. <laughs> it it's, it's fine for the first few hours, and it quickly wears out its welcome. It's, 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 like, it's a triple-A South Park N64 game. Mm, sure. That's an interesting yeah, yeah. way to put it. It's a really good Game Pass game. It's one of those games I'm like, yeah, I'm really glad I didn't pay for this. Yeah, it'll not be, like, I, I did want to elevate it to some Game of the Year status just because it felt like, a. It, this feels like an excellent, like, $30, $40 mm. game, which, like, people sort of abandon, in the, but they shouldn't. It's a good, good place to be. Yeah, so you, you never finished it? You never saw the, the ending no, where no. you finally get to meet your parents? What? No. 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 Mild no. spoilers, except not really. Uh, yeah, no, I recommend, no. if, if you're not going to play it, look up the ending. It's worth it. Um, there, there were enough funny moments in there from moment to moment, regardless of what you think of Justin Roiland, even though hmm. in situations like this, I don't know if there's a regardless. Well, uh, yeah. Also, everybody focused in on that stupid, uh, oh, this is one of those, like, you know, horizontal lifts like in Akira and blah, 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 and, and Neon Genesis Evangelion and, like, I never even got that dialogue playing through. That's like randomized, and if you have that specific gun equipped at that specific scene, nobody else comments yeah, never, on it. It's not uh, you, you, you wouldn't even call it the best writing, but there is the most writing. Mm. In that game. <laughs> the most yes. writing, yes, the most writing for sure. Yeah, 
you Disney Illusion Island with Hello yeah. Kitty Adventure mm-hmm. Island. I mean, yeah, hardly the biggest island release of the week, island which Adventure. belongs to Hello yeah. Kitty Adventure. Yeah, Island Adventure. No, uh, yeah, yeah, Disney Illusion Disney Island is that um, it's the Mickey and Friends mm. uh, platformer, the co-op platformer. Oh shit, that's came, out. Looks comes great. out. Comes out on yeah, Friday. Like, comes out on Friday. Looks like a, a, a Rayman game, mm. but you get to play as Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy. Yep. 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 So that'll that. be next week. Next week's show. But uh, yeah, all right. Excited to try it. Cool. Cool. Is that all the new releases? Sure is. All right. Ooh. I bet there was something else, but I forget. So let's move along to... Every one of those devices, I bet Chris Kohler has had to use as a game. I know I have. Been- Right. <laughs> the typewriter, the dot matrix printer, or the Backs modem? it to my dot matrix printer. <laughs> Please, the teletype. I, I must know about Metal Gear Solid 2. All right. Take it away, Matt. Sure. Uh, PlayStation announced its PlayStation Plus games for August. Um, can't say the same for Microsoft because they discontinued games with goals, oh, as, as we discovered last week. Uh, no, oh, but boy. the PlayStation Plus games for, for August, nothing to sneeze at. Um Starting with it's it's such strange timing for this one. So Media Molecules Dreams, you may remember, mm-hmm. was was mm-hmm. their was their create your own game, and people were doing amazing things with this game. I've seen it, it on sale sometimes so for like to, five bucks. To, like it was so hard to nail down what that game was because you wouldn't even recognize things people made in it. This is coming out or part of PlayStation Plus a month before Media Molecules already said they are discontinuing support for the fan created side of the game and so it's like we're, we're all getting it for quote-unquote free with our subscriptions right before they discontinue that mode so get in and if you if you're a rearing to create stuff i guess take advantage i don't really know what them discontinuing support means like will that mean no one can create anything will that just mean the official servers go away i don't know they're continually really sure. highlighting stuff on on twitter like fan creations like this was made in dreams really this oh yeah like it all looks it's a very really robust engine. Yeah. No, it's 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 insane what you can do in there, and we'll all be able to experience it soon. Yeah, part of the reason they discontinued they're, they're discontinuing the fan made stuff, or I think things like Mario Maker and even Little Big Planet, that was relatively small amounts of data. Like I don't know what Dreams is doing under the hood. I wonder how big those files were server side to like store a fan's creation because some of it looked like. Is this the same genre as the last Dreams thing I saw? This is nuts. Nuts. Hmm. So I looked into this. So, okay. So all the them discontinuing support means is, like, they will no longer be creating, like, official dev-supported stuff, like new tools, bug fixes, or whatever. People will still be able to create their okay, own levels cool. and upload them and, and all that stuff. So it just means the dev... Because Media Molecule already confirmed they've moved on to another project. So that that's all that means. So you'll still get, like, the full functionality it just won't be quote-unquote a live game uh, any longer it'll just be in its current state in perpetuity so um, i i only want it all the fan stuff to go because i really want i really want to see a montage moratorium video with cranberry's dreams in it um I'm shouting out my irish singers this mm. week because we lost Sinead. did did abed um, hire them because brit is marrying <laughs> jeff winger He's marrying <laughs> Jeff Winger. Abed <laughs> hired an Irish singer. Singer. Uh, next game on here, Chris, you're going to be so excited for this. One of your games of the year uh, from oh. recent years, Death's Door, is coming to PlayStation. Oh, 4. so good. 
such great, yeah, so great good. little game. Zelda Dark Souls, where you're playing as a raven whose office job is to go out into a fantasy world and collect souls of powerful monsters. It's trying trying to solve like the souls have stopped being delivered or something like that, and you, you got to look into what's what's. Going I, I on. don't know how successful I was, but if you can believe it, in my world, I travel with a lot of lapsed gamers who are 43 years old, and several of them. Last of Us, the show was like I'm thinking about getting a PS5. Just and 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 I'm just like, but I just don't have time for like 80 hours worth of games. I'm like, Death's Door. Here's a, it's less than 20 hours. You'll get a fucking kick out of it. It's just like I, I want to get lapsed gamers back into games, and I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. a really good game to recommend mm. to an old school gamer. I, I really hope I really want to get a PS5. Is this generation's? I really want to get a sports car or a boat. Like they, <laughs> if that's the midlife crisis. We'll all, we're we're going to be yeah. doing all right. I know the financing plans are better. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, hey, speaking of midlife crises, um, you can also get PGA Tour 2K23 if you want to go out there and just pretend to be golfing all the time. So, uh, yeah, that that is coming. Before we move on to another news item, I did remember what the other game that I played for this week is. A okay. little, little game came out from the developers of Katamari called, Yeah, you want those games, right? So here you go. Now let's see you clear them. That is the full title of it. I love the title. It is a mini game collection that's like, you know, all those shitty ads for mobile games that you see on Facebook where it's like, move these rings and sliders around, and I bet you can't do this dumb puzzle. And then you try to do it. Tickle the fat kid till he barfs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to be careful so I don't get accused of libel or slander or one of these two. You mean the games, you mean those things that should probably be false advertising because yes. they have nothing to do with the actual mobile games they're yeah. related to? Uh, yes, unfortunately, I know those um, you know, there's there's no, like, help her beat the cheater or any of that stuff, but, like, so that that takes these concepts from these ads and it turns them into actual mini games that you can play. So, yes, there are now slider puzzles where you have to, you know, oh, what sequence do I pull these out in order to cool the lava? or kill the monster, or whatever, before you, uh, giving the hero a path to the treasure. There are, you know, those those little towers that you see, where it's just like, oh, here, f- f- first you defeat this enemy with a five over its head, and then you, you get the five into your number, and then you have enough to defeat the enemy with the twelve over its head. And they're kind of inane, but it's also sort of satisfying to be able to actually play this stuff. And, and yeah. then, uh, yeah, you play, and... It's it's like you're completing a board of like a hundred tiles that are each a oh, different wow. mini game, and and each of these mini games has that board. So there's the uh, the sliding thing, there's the tower thing, there's one where you're sliding cars around in a parking lot trying to get all of them out. Uh, there's one where you're pouring uh, test tubes of like vials of colored liquid into each other trying to get the right balance so that you seen know, that ad. Yeah. Seen all these ads. I, yeah, I was. I, w- I meant to send this to you guys, um, and then I started. I, I wanted to like poke around and read some reviews, and then you caught on. But then, like, the reviews are so funny, and like, all right, we can play these games na- made by a competent developer, and the results are kind of what you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. like, the, the, like yeah. The, the, these get a little boring after a while. Yeah, they they kind of yeah. do, and that's that's more the just the fault of the games, like the the ideas. 
do not support long-term gameplay that yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and and yeah. oh, there's there's another mini game where like you're you're walking along and you're collecting cash, but you have to spend some of the cash to create like a little ladder for you to get over obstacles and uh, yeah. It it sounds to me now I I do hear the price is right on this game. It's like ten bucks, oh, something yeah. like that. Ten bucks, it's perfect for what it but, is. But this game sounds to me like it it really should be on mobile, and and yeah. I wouldn't pay ten bucks for it on mobile, but like. Eh, maybe three or four bucks for mm-hmm. all those things because the, these all sound like, hey, you know what? They get boring after a while, but sort of perfect short session games. Yeah, you know, I'm just I mean, it is, it is on Switch, so that's the next best thing. But the amount of ads for you see for these games, like, why couldn't you make this into a whole game? Why are you lying about what game you're selling? Like, yeah. your, your ad spend, you could have developed this game. <laughs> but this game, unless you support it on the level of like Candy Crush is not going to be a free-to-play hook that keeps people coming back mm, over and over yeah, again right. and spending money. Like, nobody's going to spend money to move sliders around unless it's 10 bucks for Please the Please say the title again. Okay, yeah, you want, yeah! quote, those games, right? So here you go. Now, let's see you clear them. And this is in all caps, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I think part of the meta here is these are ridiculously you can tell these are very inexpensive games to make, mm-hmm. and I think they they're kind of pointing out the irony. Also. Well, but they're also kind of pointing out the irony of like, yeah, we can sell this to you for ten bucks because guess what? It's not a live game. We don't need to support a team of one hundred yeah. developers mm-hmm. working on updates. It's like we can probably make our money back moving, you know, a few thousand copies of this thing at 10 bucks a piece and it'll it'll probably be profitable and it's like that's that's all those should be. We don't yeah. need to make a TikTok account with porn fantasies carried out with people barely resembling our lead characters. <laughs> no. Just to, Oh my god. And, and the only the other thing I wanted to add Matt just I meant to send this to you um the sequel to The Messenger because oh, I know what? you and I oh, both what? like that game. Uh see, Sea of Stars. Um, oh yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's date, day and date. PlayStation first. Right? Is what I heard. First game in history to hit Game Pass and PS Plus, like day one. Oh, and so means what that means. We won't be playing. We won't be paying for it. Where will we play it? I don't know. You Doesn't know. matter. Mm. Either place. They both yeah. are good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Continue uh, with the news. News stories. Yeah. Okay. Um. So next up, the ESRB um, responded in kind of a heated way uh, to some claims that were out there. So the, the story was going around uh, that the ESRB was looking to license some facial recognition technology to verify the ages of children. I think people were willing to accept this on face value, no pun intended, because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, part of the ESRB's job is is – you know, to he- to make sure that people aren't aren't playing it's games that aren't people. appropriate it's not for to their police age. who plays games. But that, but they they basically said no, no, no. That you guys are totally misreading this, because yeah, you shouldn't use facial recognition tech on kids. Like that, that's fucked up. What they mm-hmm. were saying is no, no, no. What this is for is when kids go to sign up for services, you often have to like have a parent approve. Like yes, my you know my kid is allowed to play this game. So that tech is going to be used when the parent goes. To confirm, yes, I'm giving approval. The facial scan tech. Basically, what this tech does is it scans someone's face to, and you know, based on your facial shape and stuff, it can tell if you're an adult or a kid, right? And so, basically, all it's never going to be used on kids. They're not going to store your face. They're not going to take a picture. They're not going to use it for fucking AI. They're clarifying. They're like, no, no, no. This is just to verify that the people giving approval to play the games are parents, and that's it. So, well, let's list the ways. Because how are you going to? Th- how does my face differ from a child? 
Is it? Oh, they're identical, actually. Is it? Is it? Yeah, I was, yeah. I'm well, giving you, you the opportunity to insult face. me. Is it the ear hair? The <laughs> jowls? Uh, <laughs> is it? Is it the hair on the end of my nose? Mm-hmm. Is it my unibrow? Uh, <laughs> all of the above. All of the above. And Yachty Tech, and because I guess that's the company that does the, that's behind this Y O T I. I'm just going to say Yachty, like Lil Yachty, uh, Lil not, Yachty. Yeah. Okay. Um, they 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 are the company that. Uh, that makes this tech, and yeah, there's a variety of markers. I think they call them that to, to indicate, like, oh yeah, this is an adult. You know, their ears are big or whatever the fuck, because you know your ears and nose keep growing your entire life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, something something like that. This but, technology uh, doesn't seem worth whatever you have to set up or pay for to have it. Just don't do it. Well, I, th- I think it's worth it if you are the ESRB and, and you're out to make sure that you know. But they're not the ESRB's job is not to police games. It's it's to warn it's to caution parents before buying it's games. it's but it's also to help publishers sort of, you know, not police games, but make sure that the people you know are what? playing games age appropriate for the it, backslide know? of the right wing is coming for games sooner or later, so you're right. Um <laughs> yeah. Well that's the thing, yeah. If we remember the history of the ESRB, they were formed so that there doesn't need to be a government regulatory body for games it's it's a it's a voluntary thing where all the major game publishers agree like we are going to adhere to the rules of this governing body which is not a government institution it is a private organization but you know the government basically trusts the esrb to do their job and as someone trust me who has to submit shit all the yeah. time to the esrb like they do their job right like and the, they the, definitely the fines the esrb can levy against you are no joke no, exactly right. Exactly right. So they're out there doing their job. And so I can't blame the SRB for that. But yeah, it is unfortunate that people wanted to immediately jump to conclusions like they're capturing kids' faces. And I'm, I'm sure there, there was probably some right wing backlash about their ESRB is getting the Adenochrome. They're getting right the wing, Adenochrome. The right wing exists or on whatever backlash. it's called. Did you, see, mm-hmm. did you see all those fucking phony assholes trying to pretend they were mad at the Barbie movie? You were never seeing the Barbie movie. Mm. That that you were never seeing. Did you like Bar- Barbie? Is Ben Shapiro? Barbie isn't what what an institution that I revere. Like, do you, you weirdo? Like, what are you talking about? This has nothing to do with you. Like, why are you commenting on this? Yeah. And even he looked like the first. I, I love those those there's gifts of him like. You just see it in his eyes. I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you, live action Mandark. Uh, <laughs> hate my job. Just because I talk fast means I'm right because I'll never be corrected. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, wet ass pussy, wet ass pussy, wet ass. It's uh, <laughs> my favorite clip. <laughs> I'm reading wet ass. Did you know, what was it? Was it the hard drive that I sent you guys the article? They had guest columnist mm-hmm. Ben Shapiro, yeah. and it's it's like all his reasons why he hated the movie. Can you imagine have to manufacture rage every day? Like I thought, YouTubers like this looks exhausting. Oh my god, mm. right wing media, it, dude, ugh, exhausting. You know how hard it is for me to pretend to care about every Star Wars thing. It, <laughs> you know what helps? What really helps with them though, Chris? All the money, mm. all uh, the yeah. money they make yeah. from all those rubes. Oh. That mm-hmm. that's what really yeah. helps. Yeah. A, Cushions yeah. the blow. Mm-hmm. Dignity mm-hmm. is free with my pillow. speaking of the internet jumping to conclusions a bit early and a company having to correct them um there were some stories going around this week about ubisoft and um people were so like one person had gotten a message from ubisoft saying hey we've noticed you haven't logged into your account in the last several months you need to log in otherwise you you know we will shut down your online account 
So immediately people were posting like, I'm going to lose access to these games I've paid for just because I'm not actively logging in. And there was a ton of outrage. Like people were like, see, this is the problem with digital games and no physical blah, blah, blah. And then quick, you know, Ubisoft had to like raise their hand. And I'm, excuse, excuse me, uh, le excuse me, excuse moi, uh, monsieur. Basically, they, they, they were like, anyone who's ever bought anything, that rule doesn't apply to. Like this, it, and, and they're, by the, they're like, by the way, that policy it's in theory in practice we've never actually they like they confirmed like they've never done it in like four years or something like that but it's like basically if you have an online account but have never bought a ubisoft game they do reserve the right to like kind of you know free up that well, that account space or what, email or whatever like i can't comment on it beyond reading this tweet which is the official line as as a ubisoft employee uh, we've seen the discussion around inactive accounts and want to clarify that players will not lose access to purchased games or DLC due to inactivity, whether on PC or console. PC players, a Ubisoft account will not be closed if tied to an activated PC game, no matter where it was purchased. Console players, you will not lose access to games purchased on console, even if your account is closed after four years of inactivity. So, so there you go. That's the official line. The best experience I have with this, and I, I think it, it may apply, and it is also Disney. Uh, I am a Disney... I don't even know what it's called now. I am a Disney Rewards member, and what that meant for me is that when I bought Disney DVDs, and then eventually Disney Blu-rays, I would scan that code that came in there, and i get points that I could redeem for stuff. And three times now, because guess what? Your boy doesn't buy a lot of Disney Blu-rays any much anymore. I think you can attach a way to scan your tickets you buy for movies. And, and you can. Like uh, that. As someone who's also a member, you can also link your Disney Plus subscription and get free points every month yeah. just for having an active Disney Plus account. Which I have not done. And three times they have deleted my account. And I panic because, like, I have – I'm approaching the points where, where like – Fucking like uh, Floyd Norman has to give me a behind the scenes tour of how I was going to say, can stuff. you can you get the Walt Disney Studios I, tour, which is like three thousand yeah, points I'm, or something? I'm close. Oh. I've, been, I've been involved for twenty years, and I, and I call the guy, and he's like, oh no, this is just a thing they they do to get rid of spam and like reduce their server load, and like you'll likely never lose your actual points. It's just something we we've changed names like eight times. We've changed domains and uh, uh, server backups. So like. We're not here to, like, cut you out of your shit. We're just here to cut our server load. So he yeah. was really polite about it and, like, instantly reinstated everything I'd ever done. Twi They've done it twice for me now to the point where my, my Disney points are from 22,000 to zero, and I'm not even worried about it. They will give me the shit back. Yeah. So, so Michael, to add to the official Ubisoft statement, they, that's where they did confirm. They said, in practice, as of today... We've never deleted accounts that have been inactive for less than four years, right? So you got to be inactive a long time. The whole console versus PC thing makes sense to me because it's like Ubisoft doesn't control that ownership. It's basically the console providers yeah, do, you, right? You so you bought if it from Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, yes. or Sony. You didn't buy it. Correct. Yeah. Whereas on PC, you may have bought it from Ubisoft Connect or via Steam or something exactly. else. It's saying if exactly. you if you have a purchased PC game tied to this account, it will never be closed. Mm -hmm. Right. Or if you have active subscriptions, right? Like if you're paying for the Ubisoft subscription products. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, pe people were up in arms about a thing without really knowing all the details. That's just the internet. I just yeah. described the internet. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, re relax, people. Fucking come on. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, this is something. Maybe you can relax while you're kicking back, playing some video games with the sweet smell of pizza. Because <laughs> Microsoft, Yum. I fucking what? love this. Sorry. Microsoft is creating pizza-themed and scented what? controllers what? in celebration of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Mutant Mayhem movie coming out. So it'll be like you're in the room, Chris. <laughs> this controller smells like pizza. So yes, these controllers they're they they're TMNT themed. They got the green goop and stuff all over them. But then there's like this, it's like this scent creator thing. It's like looks like a slice of pizza has been stuck into the battery pack of your Xbox controller, and it gives off the fresh smell of pizza, or as I like to say, you mean the smell my controllers normally have on a Friday night, where they reek of pizza and shame. It's 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 part of the reason I can't ever stop loving Pizza Hut. I got a Pizza Hut pizza. I ate the whole thing. The box is sitting on top of my garbage. The whole house smells like the pizza was made, well, not yesterday, but like it still smells like what I assume Ninja Turtle pizza smells like. Until it's out of the house, it will smell forever. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. delicious. But, but so, yeah, you if you want that... It, this What this reminds me of is a few years ago when Ubisoft had the second South Park game coming out. And they had the... Um, the the Smell-O-Vision thing mm-hmm. for, all, for like, all those event demos. The like Noseless Rift. Yes, the Noseless Rift, which it was awful. I had to work a booth nearby, and it was just, like, it reeked of rotten eggs and farts the entire... Poor Dan Amrick had to work that oh. booth, oh. that entire show. And uh, yeah, it was powering that that booth. I hope he's not listening. That was mean. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just a hose. He was. I was wondering why he wasn't allowed to stand up. He just sitting there the whole time. (laughs) Just, just Dan, like a knocked out Metal Gear character with his ass in the air, farting. I have so many questions about these. Like, do can you buy like pizza scent refills? Is this like a fucking essential oil that you're going to put in there? You you more than anybody else, because we. Have had too many conversations about those Disney theme park candles. You can get the smell of Pirates of the Caribbean in a can. Yeah. They can synthesize anything. And the Bro smell of Pirates of the Caribbean is like, oh, the AC's turned up way too high and this water is moldy. That's what the smell is. Yeah. And for Bro the most part, water. it's <laughs> fucking amazing. No, you're right. You're right. You can kind of make the smell of anything. But I just want to know, like, does the scent last forever? Will these controllers lose their freshness date and have to be thrown out? I don't know. Will they have to do that Nintendo bittering agent like they do in the Switch carts so I don't lick my controller? <laughs> <laughs> There's sort of nothing worse. Like, I, I was only half joking. There are definitely times where I'm, like, trying to play but also hungry and kind of snacking where it's like, I will smell my controller afterwards and be like, this controller fucking smells like Doritos right now. Like, I need to wipe this controller off. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, I did send you guys a picture. I tried ketchup flavored Doritos this mm-hmm. week. Don't knock them until you try them. They're actually pretty decent. Pretty decent. Ketchup potato chips have been a thing that I've loved in Canada for years, as are all dressed chips. Delicious. But ketchup Doritos specifically, there's just something with the corn flavor of the Doritos. Why are we talking about ketchup Doritos on a video game show? Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. You can get those TMNT controllers. I'm not going to tell you how because I entered the sweepstakes and I want to win those fuckers. So you had to find it for yourself, listeners. But uh, yeah, you, you can enter that sweepstakes. Uh, let's see. So, you know, there's a lot of talk this year with the strikes. Comic-Con sort of got returned to the comics is what a lot of people were saying. Um, but there was some video game stuff going on. 
Um, and there was some Sonic stuff going on. There was the Sonic Speed Cafe, uh, which you can check out uh, in San Diego. Um, but also, uh, this, uh, Insomniac did a Spider-Man 2 panel. Uh, and, and they showed off a new trailer. And in that trailer, a couple things were revealed. First off, we got all but everything but confirmation over who Venom is in this new game. And it's not Eddie Brock, it would appear. Um, it's basically going to be Harry Osborne. Hmm. And the reason they think this is all but confirmed is uh, the beginning of the trailer starts with Harry uh, with the line like, I'm going to heal the world. For those who played the original Marvel Spider-Man on PlayStation, you, you may remember the Harry kind of subplot that was going on in that game. And I think it was tied to all those labs and stuff around the city. And then this trailer ends with Venom in the monster voice going, we're going to heal the world. So there's, ah. there's a tie back right there, which, uh, yeah, I mean, for all that sounds very much like that's confirmation that Venom is here. I was, I was going to ask you, Chris, as, as more of the comic fan, has this ever happened in the comics? Is Venom typically just Eddie or has Harry been Venom before? It's, it's all like I, in the mainline comics and the ultimate comics, it always starts as Eddie. And I think he's still flash as far as I know. So, uh, Flash, yeah, I love Flash in the new Spider-Man movie, so I'd love to see him as Venom eventually uh, as well. Savior of the universe! But, but like, it, but, uh, yeah, it's stupid for, uh, Harry Osborn. Harry Osborn is Spider-Man's best friend and Green Goblin's son. Melding those into an existing Spider-Man character makes a ton of sense that I think even Marvel could agree with, like, if we had to do do this all over again, a ton, and that's what I love about the Spider-Man series. It's like a better Ultimate series than, than the Ultimate series, like how it all ties yeah. together. And I'm thinking, hasn't Harry sometimes been the Green Goblin? It's not always yeah, Norman yeah. Osborn. Harry was like, the Green Goblin too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like, but like he he is equally obsessed with both characters: the legacy of his father and Peter Parker being the son he can't be. So like trying to be both can easily bring him to being venom it's just it's it is a fucking no-brainer that the like the like i didn't even hear about this because i think the internet's like yeah that makes sense <laughs> that makes sense yeah like, sure well some people like what their complaint was was oh it was too obvious which i hate i'm I, sometimes i'm like yeah the obvious thing the reason it's obvious is because it's what you should fucking do like wrestling fans always do that they, they're they're building on you know what 70 years worth of comics yeah. for god's sake 60 yeah yeah but it, but it like it makes infinitely more sense eddie brock is like a non-existent character outside of being venom so a, a more yeah a more integrated spider like someone who's friends with peter yeah that, that those, those those always make the best spider-man villain yeah Speaking of uh, good Spider-Man villains, or maybe not so good ones, there was also an Easter egg in the trailer that fans picked up on. I want to see if you know this cut, Chris. So in in the trailer, there's a sequence where there's a Ferris wheel, and it has the name Big Wheel on the side. Do you know what Big Wheel is a reference to? No. It's a Spider-Man villain, right? This is one of those awesome late 70s like Spider-Man villains. So it's a reference to Spider-Man late 70s villain from 1978, Jackson Wheel. Introduced in Amazing Spider-Man number 182, he has tasked the Tinkerer with creating a giant armored monowheel to take on the Rocket Racer. Um, yeah, he's apparently like one of those very forgettable enemies, but, yeah. but fans were very looks appreciative. Like a toy that Kenner would design. Mm -hmm. I think probably where the, it's probably during the Spider Buggy era where this mm -hmm. is created. <laughs> 
so yeah, fans fans were loving, even if it's nothing but a stupid Easter egg reference and he's not actually in the game. Although I was shocked how many villains were in the first Spider-Man and Miles Morales. So it could be, could be, I he could be one of those. Spider-Verse has told us like, you need to be more careful with creating stupid Spider-Man things. They will make it canonical and important. Right. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's unbelievable true. how important every stupid Spider-Man thing is in that, <laughs> that fucking movie. Huh? Yeah, oh, man. All right. Well, anyway, that's all the news that is fit to play. All right. Well, let's move on to our community segment, which is always is segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, you might remember, was what's your favorite Xbox Live memory? Uh, on VigiGamePocalypse.com, first answer was Vocalik, who says... You guys gave me a new way to feel old with this question <laughs> because it made me realize I've had my gold account for 15 years now. Wow. My favorite memory, though, has to be pretty much the whole year of 2012, the year my friend group and I finally all had online access and spent mm-hmm. the entire year playing everything multiplayer we could find. Halo Reach, Minecraft console... Doritos Crash Course, Harm's Way, <laughs> Burnout Online, Cod Blops 2, and probably a hundred others. Borderlands 2 has to be the standout, though, oh, yeah. since we had a full party of four and played entirely through the game together. There wasn't a weekend that year we weren't up till 2 or 3 a.m. making my favorite gaming memories. I'm going to do something I'm pretty sure you don't want me to do, but it mm-hmm. just happened to me. I had friends out of the blue call me and, and like we have a it's Gon Gon's birthday named after the monkey uh, monkey ball character. That's what we call him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yep, yep. And we're going to get a, I'm familiar. A, 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 a condo at Panama City. I know it's been like a decade, but you want to come and like everybody should have the moment where, where you hang out with friends you haven't seen in 10 years and nothing has changed at all. Uh it was awesome, mixed with beach, and it was like better than therapy. And then someone someone asked me, "How'd you meet those it guys?" It was beach. How'd you meet those guys? Was it a Barbie reference? <laughs> and and, and, and <laughs> I, well, I had to think about it because they were we were all like amazingly great friends through our twenties. Through we met through Counter Strike. Oh yeah, and, and they you told the story in last week's show, didn't you? And, and, yeah, and they have remained friends because they're primarily PC gamers and MMO people. Where you know, like we never were. That's how they've remained friends for 20 fucking years. They only went to college together in my hometown. And I just thought that was kind of a beautiful gaming story. Like, they're still, like, wow. the best of friends in mo- living in multiple different cities through MMO, for the most part. It's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's part of, honestly, it's, it's kind of a hole in my, in my gaming career. I'm just, I have never been much of an online gamer, didn't grow up with online games. The times I have done them they've been fun but it, it's also like typically when i'm playing online it's by myself you know just in pickup games and it's super stressful more than yeah. anything so, but I, uh, I did have a couple uh, yeah. relationships that i talked about somewhere on the show where like i'm in california they're in florida or another state and we you know play co-op resident evil 5 and like even if it was once a year oh shit ninja turtles arcade is coming out on xbox live let's play through let's get the four of us together it was fucking awesome even we do that sometimes and it feels like we should do this more often. This is really fun. Uh, but nice. yeah, yeah. Xbox Live yeah. memories, man. God damn. Feels good. Uh, Daniel Peckman on, on Facebook says, back in, the, uh, back in the days of old, when message boards were still around, but in their slow death throes, I was a part of the Still Playing With Toys group run by Troy Benjamin, former owner of the 
uh, GBHQ board and currently co-host of the Ghostbusters-themed interdimensional cross-rip podcast. I know exactly what you're talking about, Daniel. Uh, the SPT board had become uh, less than a dozen members, an ultra-niche board, all of whom migrated over to uh, SPT after Troy closed GBHQ. Uh, these cats were part of my internet family, a bunch of dorks BSing about comic books, movies, Ghostbusters, and so on, and I'm still friends with them to this day. One of my fondest memories uh, were when uh, were the few times a couple of us managed to gear up for a little uh, multiplayer zap and trap in the 2009 Ghostbusters video game via Woo! Xbox Live. One time it was me, Troy, Adam, a.k.a. Proto Charger, uh, and Tristan Jones, an Australian comic book art artist who eventually got to produce art for the IDW's GB Ghostbusters series, which is great. Uh, the four of us suited up as the Boys in Grey, blasting supernatural beasties and garish ghoulies all up and down the multiplayer maps, each of us grinning grief, gleefully and hooting with joy, and uh, every ghost we slammed into traps. No specters evaded our... Uh, Neutrona streams from flashing stone gargoyles to shrieking skulls. Civil War soldiers to berobed otherworldly cultists. Don't get me wrong. I, I think I'm thankful for Ilphonic's uh, Spirit, Spirits Unleashed Ghostbusters game, but I dearly miss those 2009 multiplayer maps and modes. I don't remember those. Uh, asymmetrical play is fine, but when everyone is teamed up against the game itself, magnificent. Totally with you, man. Mm. Love, there. love co-op, online co-op experiences. Ugh. That was the that was the name droppiest Ghostbuster centric post we've ever we've ever had on this show. Like I, 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 people in the Ghostbusters times. fandom are blown away. Mm-hmm. Now let's see. Samuel Moon says I was a big Call of Duty player during the 360 generation. One of my favorite memories is playing Modern Warfare 2. I joined a lobby. We were playing on Rust. I was playing as normal, but the others started yelling at me. Turns out they were playing Michael Myers, basically uh. knife only. <laughs> Once I was told this, I joined in and we played a few hours. It was really fun. This dude just thought he was no, fucking dominating. Yeah. These guys can't yeah. do anything. No, I, I had a very similar situation <laughs> yeah. uh, at, during one of the 24-hour gaming marathons we did at Games Radar. Where like, and, and it was like you know 4 a.m. or something. It's like. All right, we're gonna play Michael Myers and like, okay, and like, yeah, just start dominating and like, no, 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 don't use your gun, don't use your gun. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no, 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 no. Only one guy can attack, and he uses his knife, and everyone else just runs away. And it's like, you know what? This is actually pretty fun. And I, so I played that for a while, and then uh, like had to go do something else. I handed the controller to Tyler Nagata, and it's like, oh, they're playing Michael Myers, and Tyler like sits down, like. What the what? fuck is this? This is the stupidest <laughs> thing ever. Like, loudly into the mic. Like, this is so fucking stupid. Why are you guys doing this? Let's just play the game. Uh, I- but that's sort of the beauty of online games yeah. and, like, why you have to give credit to people like Quake, uh, you know, that, like, actually gave you the yeah. tools. Like, because people, since online games were originated, people are like, hey, let's let's just stick around. There are rockets only. And games like that or, like, even yeah. Halo on console, they were like, yeah, we're going to give you those tools to create those maps so that it doesn't have to be this weird, unofficial rule set. I, yeah, you know? exactly Michael's story, but with me in Counter-Strike. Didn't know everybody was all knives. Thought I was dominating. Oh, my God, was everybody mad at me. But I think the first time, it was it Elephants <laughs> in Halo, Michael? Where, like, it, it's an official game mode, but it turns, like, the ground into lava and everyone... Ha- pirate ships. Pirate ships, pirate ships, yeah. Very, yeah. very cool thing to add. Like, just a simple thing to tweak officially. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah. Oh, cool. Alexander Pattison says, My aunt bought my family an Xbox and a live subscription package with that whacked demo 
disc, which I loved, for Christmas in 2002. Uh, I ended up getting a copy of Mech Assault, and that was my <laughs> only live game for a while, yeah. but I had a friend lend me another live game right before my free year expired, just so I could switch it up. Project Gotham Racing 2. I had so much fun and played for hours a day, especially since it was only on loan, and I loved that people had set up a game mode that I think they called Cat and Mouse. You'd have teams of players, one would be an Enzo Ferrari or another fast car, and the other would be a Mini Cooper. Your goal was to have your Mini win the race, either by pushing it with your fast car or by hunting the other team's Mini and keeping it out of the race. I loved this unofficial game mode and played it almost exclusively. It was a blast and probably still my favorite racing game and Xbox Live memory. See what we mean? Unofficial game modes, man. Yep. That's, that's, that's online that's, gaming. That's how like how big a risk Xbox Live was. Slash, like you open up a, a Halo game now, and they're like, you get Xbox Live free for forty eight hours. They gave you a free year, a year of Xbox mm-hmm. Live. And I remember like it was hard to find. They had to put that logo on game boxes because like it wasn't prominently used. It was like every like what what would you say like. Ten percent of games had Xbox Live functionality in the beginning. Like Something it wasn't a like lot. That. Yeah, yeah. But uh, oh man, Xbox Live. I guess I was already into online gaming on PC, but like Xbox Live made it beautiful, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. All right, new question of the week in well, honor of the uh, the lengthy discussion about Karateka at the beginning of the show. What's the first game story you remember getting actually invested in? Because for me, it was Karateka. Like, that was the first cinematic game that I ever played, that I Mm. I cared about the princess and the the hero and, uh, you know, the weird story about the villain. But, uh, I don't know, do you you guys remember, like, there being a story that, like, yeah, no, I care about this and I care about the characters and I want to see how this ends. Yeah, I so I've always been one of those. It's weird for a guy now who just likes gamey games, and maybe maybe this is why I'm like this. When I'm actually playing the game, I want to play the game and not watch the game. But as a kid, I loved reading the stories hmm. in the instruction manuals because oh, that's yeah. where the story for your game was back then. But I'd say like the first thing that I can really remember being invested in the character. I mean, obviously there was like. You know, LucasArts adventure games and stuff like Gabriel Knight or whatever, where I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow this adventure game story. But Street Fighter 2, I was always oddly invested in those characters yes. and I wanted to see those yeah. final cut scenes. And yeah. really, I knew the story of Street Fighter just That's through one osmosis. Of the that the movie was so offensive. It's because they <laughs> pretended like it never had a plot. Like, yes, it fucking did. It, yes, it does. Shadowloo and yeah, mm-hmm. all kinds of shit. So yeah, I, um, yeah, oddly enough, that's the one where I'm like, to this day, like, I I think that's what was missing from Street Fighter V, frankly, was when, when it launched, was like, yeah, how about some fucking cutscenes after I beat the arcade mode so I can see what's going on with these characters? It's just, it's like the one check-in you have with those kids, which is what's, it's like, if Street Fighter would just, like, whatever Six did kind of with this world mode, fine, if they would just give them a proper Mortal Kombat-like story mode, just mm. maybe... Let NetherRealm make the story mode of yeah. the Street Fighter game. Just, I want, I want a proper story mode in a Street Fighter game, please, someone, please. If only, Chris. I was trying to look this up, and this might explain a lot about me. Um, I'm gonna throw it out there and say maybe Final Fantasy X. 
Oh sure, hmm. sure. Uh, not seven though, huh? So oh, that's right. You didn't. You haven't played seven. You, have you, you didn't care about any games that you played before Final Fantasy. In 10? terms of their story, no. Yeah. Games were about hmm. goals and about progression and yeah. uh, huh. about action for the most part. And uh, I mean, Jesus Christ! Look at arcade games. There's no fucking story anywhere close to those games. Uh, but Chris, don't you care why that turtle had wings and was flying towards you? Don't you care why eating the mushroom made you a giant version I mean, of yourself? I, you mentioned like Lucas. I missed all the stuff on PC because I didn't have a capable PC, sure. and and I, it was I think a massive problem. Maybe even currently with Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy X would unlock movies that were cinematic quality like we ha- how many pixar movies do we have at that point three and you would you would basically un that was your reward for the games to learn more yeah, about i mean the seven had that too so they, they did they everything did. you saw in the commercial that was cinematics from seven <laughs> like, that was- they, they, they did you're right but like but like t- i didn't play those i played 10 so it was just like mm-hmm. i never thought of the idea of learning more about a character and feeling heartbroken for their wants desires failures and you would unlock these lavish sequences. Now I fucking hate it. I hate it so. <laughs> if I'm enjoying the gameplay, yeah. like I, just that Square went for, I think like 15 years considering a CG cutscene a reward for what you have just done. It feels so antiquated. Yeah. But that is what Final Fantasy X treated it like. It treated you like you've done all this stuff. We're gonna reward you with a little movie, a big, big little movie. You you know when you put it like that, I probably before Street Fighter Two Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. I was invested in Ninja Gaiden oh, yeah. because it was one of the first NES games with good cinematics. You know, yeah, Irene Liu was a hell of a cool character, and but I, I still feel like cause when she died in the third game, it's like, oh man, no, this is wrong. They're get, they have to bring her back to life. Our movie theater had that Ninja Gaiden arcade machine for like fifteen years, and every time I went there, I'm like, mm. I gotta watch this opening. It's fucking beautiful. But I never, yeah. I, I still like, didn't like. I want to know more about Ryu. Tamagotchi. Hayabusa. You had to play the Hayabusa. NES game for that. Uh, yeah, like I, I never felt true. that like that about it. I just want to be a ninja for a little bit. I don't care what this asshole story is. This is my power fantasy. Mm. Um, and I'm not a good gamer, and don't be like me, and maybe I'm incorrect. Uh, but yeah, and then maybe like sidebar Bioware stuff. Like Bioware stuff made me care about who I was in the context of the world I was doing things in. Like... It feels weird yeah. to think about Bioware as a thing of the past, but um, just just starting to get there. Can I give the opposite of, of the answer to yeah. this question? Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom oh. Hearts made me not care about video yeah, game yeah. stories whatsoever. <laughs> Fuck that story. It was a waste of time. Total waste of time. It, it's gotten us nowhere in 20 years. Um, there is no way to make this story. There is not a single thing you can do at the end of Kingdom Hearts to make anything they've done worthwhile at all. Oh, There's God. nothing they can do. It will always be a bad story. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's the first game story you remember getting actually invested in? Let us know. Go to videogamepocalypse.com. Answer into the comments for episode 534. Alternately, you can visit us on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer or ping us on Twitter. Sorry, x.com. At VG-Apocalypse. And we will read the answers on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go some plugs. What do we got, Cooking Boys? Uh, we just recorded a enormous Indiana Jones 5 show. 
Ooh. with Steve Guntley at uh, Cinema Arcade and Puppet Master Castle oh, nice. Freaks and a, a little oh, lady named Diana Good Diana Good never heard of her Diana Goodman and uh, J R Rawls and they both have like deep Indiana Jones traditions and roots and fandoms that are a li- like the same but different and it was just really interesting mm-hmm. talking about spoiler for the show like the least interesting movie I've seen this summer but it's not bad in any way nope not no, bad it's fine it's uh it, it diminished after seeing Barbenheimer but uh all of it it's fine I, just if you're if you're listening to the shows like I had to watch a James Bond movie and Mission Impossible 7 and that train sequence in Indiana Jones looks worse than a 1983 James Bond movie and a 2023 movie. What the fuck? Like this, I, I'm miffed, but it's still not terrible. But we, we yeah. do. My, my problem with Indy five is that so many of the stunts look like a little CG man being dragged around with a mouse cursor. I like, it really is I'm just going to drag him from yeah. one vehicle onto the other. That's I want to say it on the show. It's like, it's, it's not his movie. It's not his story. And the movie suffers every time Harrison Ford is in frame CG or otherwise. It just feels weird, hmm. uh, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again because uh, you know other people I trust got a huge kick out of it. Uh, there, that's on Patreon thirty twenty ten this week. Um, shit, I will. I don't know how I'm going to top. Really argue with my co-host why Coneheads is the best movie ever made because it is. <laughs> um, but well, oh, are, you, are oh. you ready to Narth Lagarthak over that? Yeah, I will. Narth Lagarthak. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, Michael, there's a story in there where I almost bought the Garthak. Oh, Jesus. Um, it was only like $100. Like, wow. why wouldn't you buy it? Uh, but, like, um, the actual movie prop or did they make yeah, a toy? Yeah, like, like, the Phil Tippett prop. Like, what? like nobody wanted it. And, like, uh, it went for a much higher than $100. So I didn't get it. But uh, 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 this week, my most fun takeaway, like, for some reason, I'm inundated in Sean Connery right now, given what we're doing with podcasts. I've watched like eight Sean Connery movies. Rising Sun is the most recent, most racist movie I've ever seen in my whole life. It, mm. and it is a blast to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I did hear a lot about it from Diana. So, No, no, Wesley Snipes, you're not Shempai, I'm Shempai. Like, mm-hmm. this is real dialogue? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know what any of it meant. I know, I know, it just... But it also treats the Japanese like a bizarre human-based yeah. parasite. It was considered is, racist even when it came out. It feels 15 years older than how old it is. It's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're the shimpai now, You're the shimpai now, dog. <laughs> Punch the keys. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> give, give the keys to the Yokozuna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Sean Connery doing Japanese should just be a Twitter, like an audio Twitter account. <laughs> Back off, son! I'm the Ichiban today. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm entertaining myself too much. Put her, put yes, her I should like to see the new Urutora Man movie. <laughs> That Oppenheimer lacks a few barefoot gen sequences for my life. <laughs> I just want him to say sashimi in Sean Connery. Sh- There's so I drank some sashimi. I adored the documentary about the Supida Man show. Sh- 
I'm just imagining him over-pronouncing oh English words that are, haven't oh been adapted God. to Japanese pronunciation. Oh. Final oh. Fantasy Twelve. Fantasy Twelve. <laughs> there can be only one gaijin. Uh, a stomach full of go-go curry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean Connery... Who knew that guy was going to be the biggest otaku of the early 90s? It's so fucking weird. <laughs> I prefer shonen anime myself. I shall buy all your Gundams, please. Shubs, uh, not dubs. Uh, <laughs> so much spit in the simple statement. <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> oh God! Clint, you gotta close the show. I'm gonna pull my pants. <laughs> all right, all right. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. We've had uh, at least one new thing hitting every single week, uh, from uh, '80s in depth to special bonus shows, new AI show uh, that was really fun to do to both alleviate some fears of AI and also like I think people are being way too cavalier about how dumb this AI is compared to about. Compared to how fast this can progress, and this means a lot of lost jobs across all industries. It is not just Hollywood. Well, as always, you can visit us online at videogamepocalypse.com. Follow us on Twitter. Sorry, X, once again. Gonna at VGApocalypse. <laughs> or uh, follow me personally at Wikiparas. That's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Anime was a mistake. I'm in Florida, so I don't need I don't need none of y'all permission.